0: welcome welcome you're listening to our podcast two massage therapists in a microphone my name is Mark I'm a registered massage therapist registered kinesiologist here in Toronto Ontario Canada we've got sorry I got distracted boobs <laughs> there was a fucking these massive cans on the TV we can't like watch I,
1: said, I my back is to the TV but just him saying I got
0: distracted I'm like boobs we can't like, watch TV and, uh, we, we all get distracted. Okay. <laughs> we have a repeat guest this guy he's you're like our regular you're, you're like regular. our. if we were David Letterman in the early days you would be our, our Larry Bud Melman. I'm okay. I'm okay with being <laughs> Melman. I'm all right. Uh, or our Chris Elliott. You have no idea who I'm talking about.
1: I literally have no idea what you. The guys guy are talking that about. the guy I'm the, the worst. I, the you know guy, what? I never really watched David Letterman. The guy, much,
0: guy that plays say. the guy that plays Lily's father on How I Met Your Mother. He used to have all of these guest spots on David Letterman. Ah. His name is Chris Elliott, and he used to get put into the weirdest situations on the Letterman show.
1: Okay. And I you guys something.
2: sometimes put me in weird situations, so well, it's, it's yeah. fitting yes. sometimes.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Yeah.
0: Sometimes.
1: Hey everyone, it's Amanda and we have Omar back today. Um we're just going to rap about life because
0: uh, Well, I wanted to have Omar in is for crazy. a bunch of reasons. When you were here last with Ashley, you guys just opened up your clinic. Yes. And then COVID hit. And the grand opening went, uh, went to grand shutdown.
2: Oh, you mm. grand opening, grand <sighs> Matter of fact, to put it in perspective, <laughs> we did our grand opening while things were still getting figured out, and that was the weekend of March- 15th. Oh, yeah, March 15th. 14th, mm. 15th, yeah. And yeah. March 17th, we decided it was the, the ethically and morally responsible thing to do to close our doors. Nice. And two days later, the Minister of Health and the CMTO said, fine if you're practicing and you're not essential.
0: So we were like, okay, good call. Yeah. yeah, That makes sense. You made
1: the right choice.
0: And then uh, now that we're slowly supposed to be opening ourselves back up, slowly is the keyword here. I think Amanda was talking to Ashley the other day on the phone. It was just asking how you guys doing and stuff. And uh, Ashley said that uh, you were in your, how does she term it?
1: In your feelings. You were in your feelings. The state of the world is not wonderful right now. We need to get this guy coming And you have just such a wonderful business partner that... She wants to be as supportive as possible of you, just like you've been of her. So she said, you know, we're still deciding because Mm. we both have to be ready to do this.
2: Absolutely. And
1: so I had mentioned that to Mark and he said, yes, I want to talk to Omar again.
2: There's a lot of things that, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys uh, pay attention to like The Breakfast Club or like Charlemagne the God, who's a uh, radio personality on Hot 97 in New York. And he was just talking about the temperature of everything that was going on, and and that there's a bunch of perfect storms that have sort of been brewing, which is why there's a lot of you know other tensions. But for everybody, which is something that we can all speak about, um, being quarantined sucks because you're going out of your mind. Being isolated sucks for some people. For me, I've been killing myself, working a million jobs forever. Oh, yeah,
1: plus, Omar just graduated.
2: I did. Dun dun dun. Yeah. Thank
1: yes. You.
2: So, Bachelors of Honors in Adult Education and Digital Technology. Right on, yes.
1: Um,
2: But juggling that, juggling opening a clinic, being a father, um, working full-time, then, you know, all of these things being a person and a man and a black man and all that other stuff. So, there's a lot that was going on under the radar. And I feel like for myself, with the pandemic, God just said, you know what? Take a break. Staycation extended. I'll let you know when. And I'm just glad that I I had some time to just breathe with the clinic. um, Obviously, you guys know when running a business, there's a lot of, you know, T's you got to cross and I's you got to dot to make the the vehicle move. And we were starting to get some traction. And and just between Ashley and I, we were considering, okay, well, what things we need to do to, you know, not only keep the roof over our heads, but how do we, you know, how, how do we make sure that we're okay? Not just paying the bills, but making sure that we can eat. Uh, by mid-March, like we started um, using the space in January officially. And when we actually had a chance to look at our numbers and say, okay, where are we despite the pandemic? We we were like, okay, well, we're, we're, we're we're going to, we're going to do okay as long as we keep pushing. And we had to close the doors. I, I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic. I don't think um, people are going to not come for massage therapy. I think that people are going to be really, worried and concerned about their own health but this is why you know uh, policies are put in place to make sure that we follow ppa guidelines international health standards for cleaning and disinfecting and blah blah, blah all that fun stuff uh, but i think because of all the couch surfing people are just diet and their bodies hurt and even for mental health and for touch yeah. miami touch institute was put in place to study the effects of touch on people and having lack of touch it's it's a big deal so people want a hug <laughs> they want yeah. a massage hug They want all of that.
1: Well, I I did set a date to reopen and Mm. I had contacted all of my clients to let them know. But in my communication with them, I said, it's a gradual reopening. I'm prioritizing my patients based Mm -hmm. on need. And, you know, I'm personally contacting those who I know, you know, have been waiting and really, really need to come see me. And so I have been just overwhelmed with like messages and emails. I mean, all nice. Nobody is being pushy or anything. People are just excited that I'm going to open my doors again. Everyone's being very respectful and they understand that things are going to be a little bit different but I I so far haven't experienced that that people don't want to come back or that I, I don't even mm. feel the concern everyone's just like yes I'm so happy when can I see you you know I know that I might not be priority but when are you opening up for everybody right. you know and the communication's been there and everybody's excited so well, when you're also when you're when you're in when you're an upstanding
2: professional and people trust not only your skills, but trust, okay, well, your place is clean it looks good, it smells all right
0: uh, you know what I'm saying you don't yeah. have to worry
2: about cleanliness.
0: You're okay. Yeah, I, I think also that's think it. though it's, it's also the nature of your practice too. Like if you if you have your own private practice and then you know everybody really well, then that's a whole other story compared to if I worked at a place and I really didn't give a fuck about right. who was in, who was out. Yeah. And I just came in. I just went to go do my job. Gotcha. Give some massages and then go home at the end of the day. I don't give a no, shit. That's the word, job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And in those not side, a like career you love, like I mean, there's, there's there's definitely places that I worked at before and it was just a job, right? And in those scenarios, I I probably wouldn't have people. It, it, when I worked at those places, when are you back? I can't wait because like I just didn't build any kind of relationship with them. It was just literally, I'm gonna mm. treat you MVA patient, and then I'm gonna go home, and you're gonna go home, and I'm gonna see you in two more days, right? right? You know what I mean, that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that's true. I have a very different uh, rapport with my clients, and at the end of the email that I sent to them, I think the last line was, you know, and I hope you all trust that I'm taking this very seriously, and everything will be up to par when you get here. Mm-hmm. And I had a few people email me back, like, yeah. I'm of course, like we know we know things are good and we're excited. So But
2: even even more so as an, as a new business, the last thing that we want is any type of negative attention For or sure. any, any negative news. it knocking out now. We're 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 taking everything very seriously and we're making sure that when we open with Ashley's O C D <laughs> and that and she making,
1: is in the sure. best way. I know Ashley listens to all these episodes. I mean that in the best way, my dear. You are very oh, she very knows. OCD. She, she
2: knows her own neuroses. We all have. <laughs> Ashley, you're dope. I love you. You're one of my favorite people in the world, but you're nuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nuts in the best way. In the best way. <laughs>
0: Talk to me, man. You're in your feelings. I want to know what this means. Will talking about it help you get out of being in your feelings or maybe we don't want to get out of it. I don't know.
2: Yeah. You know what? I, I think, um, you know, also when, going back to the whole perfect storms thing. Um, so you have the isolation, which is one thing. People feel like their rights are being encroached upon. You know, I want to go outside. Why can't I go outside? Well, you can. It's just you can't go outside the way that you used to. Um, and then also the financial stuff huge burdens for everybody, huge Mm -hmm. problems for everybody. So that's something that everybody can speak about. But in light of all the things that have been happening in the world, particularly with George Floyd's death, which I think was just the boiling point after many other little things that were going on, Mm -hmm. there was outrage. And us here in Canada, we have to really pay attention to our sins aside from the U.S. Like the United States knows they have a problem. Well, a lot of people should know they have a problem but they don't really admit it. Um Will Smith said it best. Racism is not getting worse, it's getting filmed. Yeah. So just being able to see what kinds of problems are going on, exactly what's happening um with the consistent and never-ending cyclical problems against black people and uh you know seeing the violence see uh with police officers. Actually, it's not even just police it isn't no. there've been you know the the term karen has come up has been created to describe how black people can literally be anywhere you can be at a barbecue you can be at your house you can be bird watching in central park you can be sitting in your apartment you could you could be absolutely anywhere and you can be accosted or assaulted or killed just handled in ways that are not standard they they are substandard in comparison to their non-ethnic counterparts it happens all the time and let me be the first one to say that i am not for violence i am not for rioting i'm not for any of that but when you push people far enough you push any creature far enough they're going to react in a way that you just have to be prepared for and there's also, you know, on the flip side. So aside from people being angry about all that stuff, you have blatant groups of people who are going out and creating problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends of mine who live in, um, in Minnesota and they actually have taken videos of people who are, well, people who are non people of color driving in cars and handing black men bricks. They're going around non black people spraying black lives matter on buildings which from an optical standpoint if you drive by and see that you are can think okay well either i support the cause or they shouldn't be vandalizing but it's not only black people that are doing these types of things and they know that and they if if they position themselves to do this it's going to make black people look worse and they know what the reaction is by police to black people so for example when you see what happened with Amy Cooper in Central Park and weaponizing the term I'm going to call the police and tell them that an African-American man is assaulting me. She knew that she was weaponizing that that phrase. Of course she did. So knowing what the response will be from police to black people when they see windows breaking, the umbrella man who was not a black person breaking windows. You see all kinds of people doing all kinds of crazy things. Um, what I really dislike is people pinholing the issue and saying, you know, what is wrong with black people? They shouldn't be vi- they shouldn't be, uh, rioting and protesting. Well, how about this? The rioting and protesting is wrong, but look at what's happening to black people. Why don't you just turn, turn it, turn it on its ear and look at what the actual problem is and stop looking at pinhole issues. And then all the inflammatory, incendiary statements like George Floyd's first autopsy said that he didn't die from strang- strangulation. He had pre-existing heart concerns. The RMT in me will say that if he already had a pre-existing heart condition, then you should be paying very close attention to how he's reacting. If he is already manic or he's already upset, his blood pressure is already going to be way up, which is a huge issue. And then you put him in cuffs so he can't defend himself, and then you incorrectly put pressure on his neck. From a martial arts standpoint, if you cut off someone's circulation, it only takes six seconds for them to pass out. He was gasping for air, he called for his mother, and then he verbally said, I'm done. He was preparing it to die. And then past six seconds, it took almost nine minutes for that officer to get off of his neck. Mm -hmm. So it was a very difficult video to watch, but it's very real. And that's why people are angry. They continue. And that was just the boiling point. Amy Cooper was before that. Then there was the man that went jogging, I can't remember his name right now, but the man that went jogging who was shot because someone thought he was a, uh he, there was a string of robberies in the neighborhood yeah. and thought that he might be, in broad daylight, jogging because he may have been robbing a house or coming from robbing a house. Then before that, there was a man who was driving who was shot by police, they riddled his car with bullets, and he was filming the, the chase, which is stupid in itself, but they, they murdered him. There, there are so many other stories leading up to this. Um, so the autopsy, which came back, um, they had to, they had to redo the autopsy and they said yes, it was because of asphyxiation that caused his death. Then you have these issues, and then you have people who were dumb enough to say things like, "All lives matter" or "White Lives Matter" or "Blue Lives Matter." No one is arguing the point that blue Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter. No one's arguing this. We all know this. We all morally understand that all lives matter, or at least we should, because racism is very real. But let me say this, and I'm also going to be very candid about all the things that I'm going to share, too, because I've been educating myself and my own prejudices that I've had to revisit over the years that I've had to change. But, yeah, let's... Shit, turkey lives matter. Why the hell not? But if you're telling me, let's just say for the sake of argument... That if it was up to us to decide, all right, well, as a people, we're going to starve. It's either we got to eat this turkey or we're all done. You're telling me, fuck it. I'm never going to eat a turkey. All my vegan friends are going to clap loudly <laughs> to this. But I'm never going to eat it because that turkey's life matters. Absolutely, it's a sentient being. It it deserves to live. But if it's the turkey or me to save our people, then I got to do it. But When you value black lives less than that turkey, less than the dog that you have sleeping in your bed, rolling around in your garden, eating, licking itself, eating crap and kissing you in the face. If a human life is valued less than your animal, there is an inherent problem. If you do not see that it's not that we're not saying black lives only matter, we're saying that on the spectrum of humanity, black lives don't exist so what we need to do is understand that black lives also matter the same way that turkeys and dogs and everything else matters so in 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 looking at that you also have to look at people who are like well canada doesn't have a history like that we sure as hell do we absolutely do within the us and canada the history is exactly the same and when it started both nations just said okay let's take over the land and indigenous people you're going to live where we say you're going to live here's some alcohol and cigarettes and if you want to buy some shit don't worry don't pay any taxes on it cool well you can't say it's cool because we're going to do it anyway and when they came in to build what they wanted to build and when i say they i mean um we were under british monarchy everybody was under british monarchy and spanish rule but once colonialism happened You had the building of whatever they wanted, and they brought their livestock, and part of their livestock were black people. They were livestock. They weren't real people. You don't believe me? Look at the laws. In the U.S., black people were three-fifths of a human. And there were laws in place that were put in place to say, okay, well, you can't run away. You're not you're not allowed to educate yourself. You're not allowed to go to school. You live where we say you want to live. And we're also not going to pay you for it because you're a slave. I'm not going to pay my cow for work. You know, give you some food and just do some work. Over time, while this is happening and putting people in really crap neighborhoods to live, you have two different types of disparity. So you have the the classism and the financial concerns that are consistently going on. And then you have The issues within the black community that are created so you have shadism so if you were lighter skinned you were able to possibly work in the house and serve and if people could look at you and you were palatable then okay you know what you can stay around the house or let's say somebody had an affair or somebody was sleeping with uh the, the the service they would probably kill the livestock or the black person and they would try and find a way to hide the child or have them hidden in such a way that they were only servants but you have the shadism you also have people who are like okay well we all have nothing but why is the slave owner giving you more so they're fighting amidst each other and that doesn't make any sense and then you have people who are working in the fields who are jealous of the people who are in the house and they just it, it just created all kinds of issues there over time yes they tried to to change laws to allow black people to have their own but having your own is one thing. Still not being considered a human being, you could walk down the street and have somebody spit in your face. You could have somebody tell a police officer, you know what this black person did or this N-word did? And just because you weren't considered a person, they would beat you up, they would stone you, they would drag you out of your place of business or your home or, or your car or your wherever you were or hang you or lynch you, whatever they wanted to do. So when we talk about Again, those incendiary issues that cause people to react angrily. You have to think, oh, well, there's more violence in the black community, blacks against blacks, instead of police against black. Okay, how about this? When did laws begin? When was the idea of law put in place? That is when black people have been murdered. That is how long black people have been killed. That is how long black people have been under heel. So not only looking at that, now we've got to look at the financial and structural disparities. So you have people who are just making a life and living and raising their families and building up more businesses and doing all that fun stuff. And pe- and black people are still livestock. Then they start to open their own things and possibly potentially have their own communities in still in these crappy neighborhoods and told that they can't touch stuff or drink from stuff because they have different brains and different blood and they're just – a different animal and different diseases than than white people they try to thrive and then things like tulsa and rosewood happen tulsa oklahoma um in 1921 there's a black man who was going to get lynched and a bunch of other black people showed up and they're like nah this is this is injustice we need to do something about this and we we're not going to stand for it and what did they do white people rioted and burnt their city down S- churches banks, schools, homes. They killed thousands of black people. The entire town was burnt to the ground just because somebody tried to stand up and try to speak for equality. They did it twice. Rosewood was the second time. On top of that, We have this generational wealth that's being built, and as black people are starting to try to speak for equality, even with Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and saying, okay, well, to understand how to face the laws, we have to understand the laws themselves. So they tried to stand up, and there was still injustice, and still black people getting killed by police. And it wasn't until 1954 the anti-segregation law was passed. So just keep that in mind. 54 till now. That's what, 66 years? That's a whole ass grandparent, you know what I'm saying? That's
1: not even how old my parents are. Like
2: this is not even like this is not a long time ago, right? So understand that when your parents were growing up, their parents had a different view and understanding of the world. Now I'm talking about a lot of U.S. history just to sort of you know catch 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 us up to what's going on in Canada. But in the U.S., they've always had that huge disparity. If you've always been ahead of the curve and say things like, "Well, black people are getting hired," and blah blah blah, okay, but you've had if I put it in let's let's talk about Monopoly, the game of Monopoly. Everybody loves Monopoly and they've played it. So let's say I mean I was arguing this rule with with someone recently, but before you buy properties, do you go around the board first before you buy,
0: or do you buy as soon as you land
1: on it? Don't look at me, Mark plays Monopoly. <laughs>
0: Are we talking about the real Monopoly? Yeah, the real game of Monopoly. The real Monopoly rules are, uh, I think you start buying right away. Right away. If you land on something and you don't buy it, then it's supposed to be auctioned. Is yes, what's supposed and the to bank happen. can auction it off Yeah, to anybody. Exactly. Okay. So let's say we're all playing Monopoly
2: and we go around the board, but every time I land on a property, first of all, you don't give me any money. <laughs> let's start there. And then if I go around the board and collect $200 every time, I got to give it to you. Or you give me... Instead of $200, you give me a quarter, or a dollar, or $10, not even $10, we'll call it a dollar. Let's do that 400 times, and you continue to take my money. By by the 400th round, you've got all the properties on the board. You can do all the things that you want. You can charge exorbitant amounts of whatever you want, and you're also not going to allow me to stay on your property. So let's play another 50 rounds, but say, all right, well, I'll give you a little bit more money but I'm still not going to give you any property. And then eventually, when you're able to buy a property, you can only buy one. This is what our countries are built on. That financial disparity, and on top of that, let's say you're trying to get a job. If Mark were to put his name on a resume, they may look at his name and be like, okay, let's let's have a conversation. But the minute somebody sees the name Omar, that already, regardless of if they look at me, they're already going to think, Maybe he's Muslim. Maybe, you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. So these these types of systematic concerns have been in place since colonialism happened. Now, in Canada, the same things apply. There are laws that said that, like, we had anti-segregation laws in school. Ontario, and I believe it was... Ontario and New Brunswick or Ontario and Nova Scotia were the only two provinces to legislate anti-segregation or segregation schools. Everybody else just had them. And the last seg- the last segregated school was closed in 1953 here. Again, not a long time ago. No. There were laws in place even in Quebec where they were saying that we you know we want to close our borders Um, to deter South Asian or visibly Asian people from continuing to come in. These are things that Canada was built off of. We're still fighting battles. And indigenous people, I won't even begin to talk about. They have the greatest struggle. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They are still fighting for equality. They're still trying to, like, if, if reparations are getting paid out, indigenous people need to happen first. If they were to basically get paid out, we have a lot to owe them. And they're still fighting battles. The pipeline in Alberta—they—they—they they, uh, are trying to pass a law today that's basically saying that the police can arrest anybody on what they call—it's basically saying like if if the if the government deems the land based on legislative purposes, if they deem it government sanctioned, then they can arrest anybody on the land anywhere, particularly near the pipeline. But they can arrest them jail them up to six months and fine them up to $25,000. We're talking about people who are already broke, who already have a hard time trying to figure out how to move themselves forward. And what do you think arresting them for fighting for the, for, for justice is going to do and finding them $25,000. It makes no sense. So when we talk about, you know, we talk about systemic racism, we talk about white privilege that is just talking about the privilege of saying you were able to have generations of people who built things before you. And not only do you have access to things in the world, but you also are immune from the same things that people who aren't white have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure you guys know friends and if you don't know friends, I, I implore you people who are listening have a very real and honest conversation. Turn off what you think you know and have a real conversation about people's experiences. I have a ton of them where I get into an elevator and people kind of back up. I mean, I'm also 6'3". Of course, I may look intimidating. It's weird to have anybody within your space. But consistently, if I'm walking on the sidewalk, people will move in certain areas. Um, If I'm shopping, people do the same thing. If I'm driving i'm worried that if a police officer pulls me over i i don't know how they're going to react i've had issues with police myself that objectively i can say not all police are bad and but some of y'all are some real dickheads and and power trip um and some of them are racially charged mm-hmm. so again when we talk about me being heavy hearted it's because all these things are going on and when you really look at the scope of what's been happening for so long, and then dare to say, well, why aren't you peacefully protesting? May I remind you that Colin Kaepernick took a knee because the Constitution in the United States is supposed to protect all under liberty, but Mike Brown was murdered and the police officers were not charged. And that's because of a law called uh, Qualified Immunity. Which means that you are immune to getting charged until we can qualify why you did what you did. And if we can, the laws don't apply. So, he kneeled peacefully. He said there is a systemic problem with police violence against black people. They fired him. They ridiculed him. Called him un-American. And now we're here. So, yeah. I I, I am a little heavy-hearted. Because... Every time I look at Instagram, I'm seeing the responses of people who just don't get it. I'm seeing other people who are like, well, this story wasn't told. This story wasn't told. Look at what's happening here. It's 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 infuriating. It's insane. But I do have hope and I have faith. Because when I saw, forgive me, I forget her last name, but Regis, um, the woman who whose family accused the Toronto police of throwing uh-huh. her off her balcony. Uh-huh. And this, this young woman had um, mental issues. There was not enough objective evidence for us to say we believe that it happened. But keep in mind and just pay very close attention to this. For black people to think that police officers throwing a black person over a balcony is still relevant in their scope of what could happen in, in scope of possibilities, That alone should infuriate you. For them to think that it's possible for a cop to yeet someone off a building in 2020, there is an inherent problem, my friends. And what did Toronto do? We showed up in numbers. Regardless of race, creed, religion, sexual orientation, we showed up and showed out peacefully. And you know what the police did? They stood by and they said, we are observing and we are respecting the right to peaceful protest, which I absolutely, 100% am am behind. And nobody wants to riot. Black people barely own things. Why are we going to want to burn it down and break it? You know what I'm saying? There are, yeah, there are some morons who are going to go out and, and loot. But let's also think about this. If You have been broke all your life, and the only way that you think that you can get ahead is by boosting a phone or a TV or a blender or something. If that's the only way you can get ahead, okay, well, I might try it. But again, I'm not justifying these actions. I'm just trying to get people to understand the greater picture. So when talking about it not being so long that we've had all of these issues, it's it's been within a very short span of time and we know all of us have some idea of someone in our circle that feels like Ugh, okay this is this is the conversation that we need to have with such and such or i don't know if i can have this conversation because grandma believes what she believes or you know uncle such and such i actually watched a video of a trinidadian woman today she got dragged by the whole west indian community um literally talking about how stupid black lives matters uh, is and you know she was literally you know using the n-word all over the place and she was um visibly she had visible south asian roots but To hear someone of color to say that as well speaks to a whole other psychological concern, Mm. which is also something that has been created from slavery. When you tell someone they ain't shit long enough, they will believe it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They will absolutely believe it. And that's why we are very careful with how we speak to our children and how we, you know, how we handle our children and, 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 you know, encouraging them. So it, it just, it runs very, very deep. And I can only now encourage as many friends as possible to have the uncomfortable conversations. Have them. The, the the things that you're worried about do exist. And even new definitions of terms that I'm still trying to get my head around and understand. So like, you know, we understand white supremacy and where that came from. Um, the term white fragility, which is new to me, talks about the backlash of people who they feel uncomfortable and want and get defensive when they hear issues for of racism. Say,
1: I'm not racist. Thank you.
2: They get defensive, and that's cool. You don't have to be racist, but are you anti racist? Exactly. That's the question. Yeah. Matter of fact, Trudeau, I love that man for standing in the protest today that's going on downtown and saying, straight up, I'm taking a stand, and Canada needs to as well. It's either you're racist or anti racist. There's no two ways about it. Exactly. America, take notes. I'm just saying that's leadership. But I digress. When you talk about the fragility, how fragile it is to have a conversation, not everybody's call- no one's calling you racist. We're just saying that, you know, let's say, for example, you on your block, there was that one racist guy who happened to be your dad. And he was the one person on the street that everybody tried to avoid because he was racist father passes away later on you have some conversations with your friends who happen to be ethnic and they're like yeah i was afraid to be your friend because your dad was a damn racist you're probably going to feel a way about what your dad did and what he said and some of his actions but you defending his actions based on that racism that's fragility yeah and we need to address anybody who really just doesn't understand or still feels like well this is You know, I I feel like this isn't real. And nah, man, it's very real. It's very real. Like I said, having a conversation and understanding where people have come from, understanding that they actually have real fears and real concerns and real life issues that they've gone through. I don't care if you say slavery was how many hundreds of years ago, the beliefs and the systems are still in play. Mm -hmm. And we all want to be equal. Cool. Then we all need to be allies. And I, I want to make sure that we tackle all of the issues that are happening. But right now, we have been watching black people get beat down and accosted and assaulted and all of those things. So for sure, we need to start making sure that we're we're fighting for, for equality everywhere, starting with that.
1: Well, as the white person in the room, I'm here mostly to listen. But a couple of things you said I wanted to go back to, one being the people who use the argument I think you had said you know there's people saying that you know they're against the rioting and that's only making you look worse that is deflection I'm sorry Mm. if you're gonna take a couple of people that you're like you said there are probably people who maybe are opportunists more likely Mm. there's people who as you said the only way they can fucking get ahead is maybe stealing a toaster or whatever Mm. but the other thing is it's not it's not the protesters who are necessarily the rioters. Stop lumping those two together. Mm -hmm. And even if it was, if somebody murdered somebody in my family for no other reason than being a fucking human, yeah, I'm going to burn shit down. I'm going to break shit. So it doesn't... None of that makes sense. But the bigger problem with that statement of, well, you're only making yourself look worse, is how is it that a few rioters or looters or whoever are then making the entire movement or the entire uh, the entire group of uh, the entire race? So all black people look bad because some are doing bad things? Then why don't all fucking cops look bad because some are doing bad things? Do I think all cops are necessarily bad? Probably not. But- from what we're seeing and the way that they can just kill a black person and walk away, dust off their shoulders. Well, then I should be saying you are all making yourselves look bad,
2: or being supported or covered up by the police, like mm-hmm. you know, the blue shield or the, the blue wall is a very real thing. Um, but and and please, I I want I don't want you to feel like you're just a voice to listen because you also, as a white person, you have. And an obligation right now mm-hmm. to say, well, number one, what is happening in my community?
1: Well, definitely. It's not, it's not the responsibility of Black Americans or Black Canadians to make the change. You guys are not the problem. It's, it's everybody else that's the problem. It's, it's not mm-hmm. the Black people that should be fighting this fight because it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you say. If people are still holding this belief that you are subhuman or what did you say? Three fifths, then no. You're not going to win. It right. has to be the people that are causing the problem that are helping to fix the problem. So white people, yeah, you need to fucking educate yourselves. You need to listen. You need to learn, and you need to say something. If you have a racist uncle, you shut up that racist
2: uncle. Yep, you need to have some conversations, or you need to distance yourself from them. That's mm-hmm. that's really just it. Because moving forward, like we don't have, we cannot have room for the same roadblocks that our parents fought against or mm-hmm. stood up against. That also being said, you know, uh, that painting everybody with the same brush. I definitely don't believe that all all white people are racist. I don't think they're inherently racist. I know that, you know, there are places in Canada that were terminus points for the Underground Railroad. I just don't want people to romanticize the idea that Canada is completely separate from the the same evils that the u.s no it's absolutely
1: not and i'm in no way minimizing the murder because obviously as you said that was kind of a tipping point Mm -hmm. like the entire world had to watch a man being murdered Mm -hmm. and obviously that's that's going to spark rage but it's not even just the murders it's the underlying attitudes it's the people who refuse to recognize white privilege exists like if you're a white person and you don't even recognize that that's problem number one to conquer. Right. Like, how do you not know that you can just go out and walk down the street? <laughs> Look, I'm <gonna> start crying. <laughs> I, I've been I've been doing it the last
2: few weeks. Trust me. Like, and and here for for you for your struggle. And this is why I'm saying you have a voice and you should speak because you also have children who are visibly multiracial, being able to advocate as a woman for them, as a mother for them, as a voice for them, while. You're walking down the street and having people possibly look at your husband, who clearly is not a white guy, and have to deal with those things. Mark, I'm pretty sure having, you know, asking him some stories, I'm pretty sure in some places if someone thinks he's just any other ethnicity that they may not accept, that's a problem in itself. And you have to speak against those or speak up to people about those. it's, it's, It's exhausting and it's tiring, but it's necessary. It needs to happen. It needs to be acknowledged for sure as far as i girl trust me i i literally like even today playing music on the way here um kendrick lamar has a song called all right and it's such an uplifting song because he's just talking about the struggle but it's like oh man just listening to how much black people have endured over the years and have just been under heel and just to think that you've had people murdered you've had your family ripped apart you've had people raped you've had you've been you've you don't even know where you're from you don't know what is home for not even decades for centuries to still say you know what no matter what you're going to be all right our faith is the one thing that pulls us through because we know that we're going to keep fighting and we're going to and we're going to aim for change and that's why i just want to implore everybody who's listening have the uncomfortable conversations if you have a friend, you, you may not know how to be able to approach him. Like my twin asked me yesterday. He was a he was you know, he was being a little uh what's the what word I'm looking for? He was he's being a bit of a, a a dick about it. But he's like, is it just me or white people afraid to look at you <laughs> like these days. They don't want to look you in the eyes. Mm. I'm like, it's it's true because That's probably very true. Well, Canadians are, are not only very
1: we're just we're, we're nice people. We're non confrontational. Yeah. And this is why nothing changes, right? Because a white person's afraid to say something. I'm not defending them. I'm just saying what Mm -hmm. I've seen. Like, a white person's afraid to say anything because they're afraid to say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But then it turns into not saying anything. And I I know we're in a time where we've got to be
2: very politically correct about every Mm -hmm. damn thing. Or else somebody may say this or do this or, you know what, how about this? I don't give a rat's vagina about what people think about me. And I only said rat's vagina because it's the most insignificant thing that could come to mind. (laughs) That's the last thing I ever think about in my days. But I I don't care about people's opinions of me. And if I'm wrong, then let me be loud about my opinion and let somebody educate me. I'm yeah. okay with being wrong. Because if you can show me the source, then you know what? Cool. And I won't just have a belief just for the sake of having a belief. Except religion, but I'm also deconstructing that. That's a whole other, but that's, that's a whole other podcast. That's
1: like what I was starting to say is that step one needs to be acknowledging that your white privilege exists—that mm-hmm. you can walk down the street and nobody's thinking anything. You can go shopping. It's not people even that. Not it's, watching it, you. it
0: goes so fucking deep down beyond that. Well, it is beyond it's, that. It's, but I'm there's saying, a community, because he was
1: talking about white freedom. I understand.
0: There's a community of people that have not given the fair shake ever. Ever, you've been put in a position of disadvantage always yes you're brought up that way you live in society that way society views you that way when you are poor living in a ghetto neighborhood there is not an easy way out of a poor ghetto neighborhood that becomes your reality and that's where you live and if you if you if you can't get education you can't get a decent paying job if you can't get a decent paying job you're stuck living where you're living you can't advance in life and you know what if if you have to go boost a TV or boost a toaster, as you guys or said, sell drugs, and yeah. that's, that's, part of, that's part of just trying to make it. Yep. That's part of just trying to survive because the cards are fucking stacked against you from the beginning. Yep. So if you don't recognize that the cards are stacked against the whole group of fucking people, you got a problem there. I saw, I saw a, a video on Instagram and it summed it up best. It was a dude. He, I, he looked like um, some sort of phys ed coach or soccer coach or you something, right? Seen it. You You might have seen it, right? He's got a whole bunch of youth Standing on a, on a line Someone he's like We're gonna race yes. For a hundred yes. bucks I remember that guy. Yes Take yeah. two steps forward If you've had both parents To be in your life Step two steps forward If you had a father figure Step two steps forward If you've had an opportunity To go to private school Step two steps forward If you had a tutor Blah 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 In other words You've been given Such a fucking head start And if you don't recognize That you've been given A head start Above somebody else And if you've been given A head start You've made it very very difficult For someone else To fucking succeed And you want wonder why fucking people are mad and i'm different from you in this Mm-mm. sometimes man violence is the only fucking way to make people take note sometimes violence is the only fucking way look i don't want look i just want people
2: to, to like call it ca- call it both ways man don't tell me that you're you i don't support looting and writing that's how the fuck the country was built yeah you would not be here you would not exist in the comfort of your home, watching Netflix and Instagram on your on your iPhone or Android. If looting and rioting and pillaging and murder did not happen. Let's grasp that. We yeah. inherently know that it is wrong to do. But I'll tell you right now. If any of my people in my circle, y'all included. If any of my people, if I saw any of you replaced knocking on wood by george floyd let me find out that amanda i saw a police officer do that to you or do that to you mark or any of my friends or children i'm burning this bitch exactly. down exactly. to the ground that was so, that
1: was the one thing i couldn't understand is all the people keep like going back to but why the rioting why the looting i'm like i'm sorry i'm sorry you're telling mm. me from cuz you have the opportunity white lady you have the opportunity to disassociate from it because it it's not affecting your life directly. That's it's not it's <laughs> but I mean this is like they see I'm not saying you're revolution
0: you, doesn't happen peacefully. Well exactly. Mm-hmm. It can't I'm sorry. it
1: cannot. It does not and you know, you can keep saying, I don't support the rioting, I don't support the looting and sure, like you said, it's not like you're encouraging people to go out and looting and rioting. Mm-hmm. But you can understand why the fuck people are doing it. Let's let's talk Karen's for a second. Fucking Karen.
2: <laughs> and and Jane Elliott. I my apologies to anybody who unfortunately is named Karen, because you're getting dragged right now by the world, and you're probably cool as hell. I I I, I want to meet some cool Karen's. <laughs> I'm just saying. That itself speaks to privilege. Yeah. And it's not just I mean, I'm just talking about Karen's everywhere who feel like I'm in a grocery store, and this says that you have the oranges here, and the oranges aren't fucking here. Let me see the manager. Chill out. It's a fucking orange, Karen. It's, It's not that big a deal. But when we're talking about in situations where, let's say I'm going to visit a friend at his condo, and Karen sees me coming towards the door, and instead of holding the door open, she closes the door. I don't recognize you. You don't live here. You have to buzz them in. Okay, cool. No problem. I'll buzz him in. I get into the building and maybe I'm waiting in the lobby for my friend to come downstairs. Um, do you live here? What floor do you live on? That's none of your that's none of your business. What I'm doing here? Well, you're loitering in the building. I live here. I have a right to No, you have a right to walk away and mind your business because I'm not burning anything down, I'm not selling anything, I'm not spray painting anything. The the, the those ideas and that privilege also says I can do what I want. Wherever I want, however I want, because under the law I'm protected mm-hmm. because I'm a white woman or a white man. That privilege very much exists. Mm-hmm. This is again why Amy Cooper, you know what I'm saying? She mm-hmm. felt within her rights that, well, I'm in Central Park walking my dog without a leash, which is already illegal. It's illegal. A man who's bird watching just didn't want your dog chasing off the birds. So you were so stuck in your privilege that not only did you not want this black man telling you what to do, but you were going to stick it to him by weaponizing African-American man assaulting me. It's 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 insane to me how some people feel like they can just do what they want and get away with it. And that's what you're trying to turn around and say that protesters and writers are doing. Yeah. It's insane to me. Now- Jane Elliott, who gratuitously uses the N-word, that is also a whole conversation that I can unpack and debunk very quickly, but um, she has been an advocate for anti-racism for for years. She's an educator in the U.S. who started a um, class called uh, Brown Eye, Blue Eye. So what she would do is every time she would have a meeting with older people, it started with children after she saw racial injustices Um, Against black people and Martin Luther King's shooting. So she had the children separate and say, okay, well, all the brown eyed kids, I want you to treat the blue eyed kids like this. And when they actually got together, the blue eyed kids obviously were very upset and sad and then had a conversation with them afterwards and say, okay, well, how did that make you feel? And does it make sense to judge somebody on the color of their eyes? No. So don't do it based on the color of their skin either. And when she does it with groups of adults, It's incredible. I would, trust me, I would encourage you to look at some of the conversations that she has with white people in different states and different places in the world. They're enraged when they have the conversations and, oh, well, you treated us uh, improperly and people will get up and try to walk out the room. And she stops them and says, okay, but black people can't do that in life or any person of color. They cannot just get up and walk out of life so they can not be subjected to this kind of treatment. Mm-hmm. They are treated like this every single day. One of my favorite speeches she had when she started a conversation was, okay, what I want is every white person in this room, I want you to stand up if you want to be treated like black people are treated in America. Mm, no one stood. Nobody stood up and she said, you misunderstood my direction. If you want to be treated the same way we treat blacks in America, stand and still nobody stood nobody's standing, so that means you are aware that there is a way that they are treated different from you. My question is why are, why are you for it mm-hmm. why 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 are you allowing it to happen? Things like this are very real conversations that I want to have with people. I really want people to just open up and 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 not feel uncomfortable, yeah, it's a very uncomfortable time you know you don't know how to like do you do you see somebody and give them a fist bump do you like you don't know what to say it's it's a very difficult place to be but you're a human being just treat them like a human being you don't have to go out of your way and you know here's a black man black lives matter don't don't (laughs) don't nah. you don't have to do that just you know what extend a little bit of care and you know even if you're like you know what i hope you and your family are good like you would do with any of your other friends. Are you good? Are you okay? Some of your friends in your circle, reach out to them because you don't know. You don't know what kinds of experiences that they may have had. Like I said, I've, I've seen and heard a lot. I was actually going to ask you, Mark. Mm. In your own experience, mm-hmm. stories about prejudice, prejudice or racism? All the time.
0: I'm mixed, right? So my parents from Trinidad. I got black in me, I got Chinese in me, I got some European stuff in me somewhere, but like you said, I kinda I'm I kinda look like this non white mix of stuff and I get all the shit all the time. It's insane. Like how? Give me an example. Like I get and have been pulled over. Left, right, and center for no fucking reason at all. I've been carded. I've been asked for, you know, all my identification. Um, even from something as simple as being in a department store and being followed around by security. Right? Like, that shit happens to me all the fucking time. I actually feel bad for you. You've never been involved in that until
1: she fucking started hanging out with me. Yeah, well, again, like I was saying, it's, it's uh, recognizing that white privilege exists and it's embarrassing to admit that I didn't realize how bad it was. Not that I didn't know racism existed. And I'm hearing this from so many of my white friends now. Like, oh, I, d- I knew it existed. I didn't realize it was that bad. And I'm like, we should all be fucking embarrassed that we didn't know it was that bad. Like, that's horrible. But yeah, when I started dating Mark, I think the first vacation we ever took together, or maybe the second, third, whatever. But we, uh, we were coming back from the airport. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah, we were walking through the airport. We had just re- arrived back in Toronto. And I had a suitcase because I'm a girl. I bring lots of stuff. So I had, you know, multiple outfits for each day, right? So I have a suitcase. Mark is a dude. He had a carry-on because he can go to a beach vacation with some swim trunks and like five t-shirts and he's good to go, right? Mm. And He might have had a toothbrush. So <laughs> he's got this little carry-on. I've got this, this suitcase and it... W- it's like an understatement to say we could you could feel the eyes on us walking through the airport mm-hmm. until we ultimately were approached by somebody and pulled aside and they tore apart everything I was carrying. And now sure, there's gonna be some people who hear this and say, Well, I was searching in an airport you just know it's different. Oh, you just and it, feel and it it's shit different. It happens to me
0: all the time. It's like crossing the border. We've we've had my car torn I've, apart at the border. Uh, and I feel bad for you here because this shit happens to me all the time. I probably even said so on that trip that, watch, we're going to get stopped. We're going to get pulled over. We're going to get searched the hell mm-hmm. out of. Mm-hmm. And that happens to me all the time up until I had a family with a white lady. And I've got these two little...
1: Fairly fair-skinned children.
0: Exactly, right? And so now I don't get uh, that... at border crossings much anymore but all the time it would happen to me every fucking time I crossed the border that would happen. This
1: particular border crossing the first one we did together when we were driving uh, we were driving my vehicle so it was registered under my name and you know we were only dating we weren't even engaged yet so but Mark was driving I was in the passenger seat and we had another friend in the back seat so we pull up to the border crossing the guy takes our passports and at first he starts out normal, like, you know, just can I see your passports, whatever. And he asks how we all know each other. And I can't remember which one of us answered the question, but it was truthful. Whoever answered said we all work together, which was true. Mark and I met at work. The other person that was coming along with us was another colleague. And then probably a minute later, as he's asking questions or whatever, I think either I referred to Mark as my boyfriend or Mark referred to me as his girlfriend or whatever. And then suddenly he was like, whoa, I thought you were all coworkers, and so I responded, and I said, We are, um but we're also dating and then suddenly his his tone changed or whatever, and they tore my car apart for a good hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe this could happen to somebody else, but it just it just never has. My entire well, that's life I mean. lo- like, that's... living as a white privileged person, <laughs> I have never been stopped unnecessarily. I've mm-hmm. actually in fact gotten out of tickets. I've never been searched like I can't like even that. tell you how
0: many times. I, I've I've lost count. I've lost count how many times I've been I've been pulled over. East York. I'm driving my car mm-hmm. and I'm I'm looking for I'm looking for an address. So I'm kinda, you know, driving slow, looking around, looking around. I get pulled over. I'm like License registration please. i'm like did I, did I do something wrong like why why are you pulling me over well there's been a lot of cars like this stolen in the neighborhood lately. We just want to make sure it's yours I was like, cut the fuck, shit like that all the fucking time yeah I trust i oh i don't even tell you man
2: yeah, well, i mean I'm, I'm hoping I, w- I want to hear you tell me because and, and it's a, it's a very important thing for you to understand as well well not understand because you, you do understand you were there. the fact that you are now on the other side of the two way glass, and you're seeing how your husband is being treated, and even certain situations where you were normal where you would normally say "Oh well in in the normal scope or realm of life or existence, sure the police may want to search my car, or sure the police may want to pull me over to ask me questions but." It's amplified when you are traveling with a person of color. Yep.
1: Well, and as you mentioned, the carding, we were out uh, at a restaurant one time and he stepped outside without me. There was a crime committed in the vicinity, not at the restaurant that we were at, but one somewhere in the vicinity. And I I don't know if they would have carted everybody outside, but conveniently-
0: Oh, they didn't. This, they didn't. This I, was person, having, I was having smoke with a whole bunch of other people. Yep. Yeah,
1: this non-white person walks outside of, of the restaurant by himself and Give the, me your the police wanted to take a picture of his identification and he- said no, because why are you putting a picture of my ID on your cell phone? So he said no. Anyway, he came back in the restaurant. He got me. We left together. Nobody stopped me. Nobody said anything to me. If there was a crime committed in the neighborhood and you need to check everybody's ID, why did I just walk to my car peacefully? Right. So, yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, again, I there's there's tons of stories that people can tell like this. And that was that was why, you know, at the beginning when you said that, George Floyd's mor- murder, obviously extreme, but it's not. That's that's not it's the not only even thing. Uncommon. It's that's that's not uncommon, it's and not it's not out of the realm
2: of possibilities of existence. It's for not, black people
1: and and, and that's what I yep. I think that people need to recognize. When you are a black person, every time you leave home, I saw a friend of mine post on Facebook saying, literally, this this really got to me. She was saying like she's got teenage uh, children, and she tells them before they go out, like if you're going into a store don't go in with more than one other person don't go in groups like at you know with all of your black friends don't go in groups because she's worried about her kids i would in right I felt so sad in that moment, but I'm like, yeah, that's reality that like you have to tell your teenage kids, who are probably good fucking kids, just don't travel in groups. Don't give the police a reason to be suspicious of you. Do you think Karen over there is telling her white kids, don't travel in groups, don't walk into a mall with more than one person? No, because they
2: can typically do things and even the dumbest shit and people just expect it like, ah, like I, I was speaking to I was speaking to someone yesterday and saying, just randomly, how many videos have you seen online of? Like white college kids is doing some just random dumb shit. You know what I'm saying? Jumping, getting drunk, jumping off the bill, jumping off the house and breaking a table. White college guys do the dumbest shit. Now, how many videos have you seen of black college kids doing that? I don't recall one, but that's just what you expect college kids to do. If you say frat house, drunk, beer pong, you don't think black frats. You know what I'm saying? You don't think, you know what I'm saying? Car driven into fraternity. Definitely not black people doing that. But they can get away with the most heinous and ridiculous shit. Of course, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not saying that they, they get it. I, I won't say they get away with it because I'm pretty sure that they are, you know, they are held to a standard. People,
1: I'm are, sure they're going to be punished, like but are they worried about getting beaten down or having their face pushed into pavement or having somebody on their neck for eight minutes?
2: No, they're not. That's my point. Like, you can do the, the craziest
0: shit. But you just expect that, the privilege, even, is there. even the punishment. Like I can't remember how long ago this was. this was probably about four or five, maybe six years ago. I heard a story of an off-duty police officer, a Durham off-duty police officer, drunk driving, wrapped his car around a fucking pole. You know what his punishment was? No charges. Desk duty, full pay. I'm like, if I was drunk and wrapped my car around a fucking pole and didn't injure anybody but myself, I would find myself on drunk driving charges and Mm -hmm. I would find myself in fucking jail for a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's frustrating because and maybe I'm not as optimistic as everybody else in this fucking room because this ain't new. This is old news like you've suggested through the history lesson. This is old news. This whole idea of a plantation society and that's how we that's how we classify people. It's 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 old news and the idea that a whole bunch of people are getting woken up to it for the moment, I, I'm not as optimistic because to me it's just a moment.
2: Well what what to do is is the most important thing. Like we can talk about all these stories all day.
0: Exactly. But you know just just to put it in
2: perspective, just to really just encapsulate what we're talking about and why people are so
0: frustrated. Even I don't want to cut you off though. Even if even if at a drop of a dime everyone that was not conscious to the the lived experience of other people. Even if that all changed at a drop of a dime It doesn't fucking matter, at least in my mind. It doesn't fucking matter because that doesn't change your lived experience. It's not going to change much more of your lived experience that you're going to have down the road. I'm not as optimistic. And that's why I'm like, you know, sometimes you need fucking violence to make people fucking open their eyes. I'll I'll speak
2: to the optimism in a a moment. Um, What I was going to talk about was uh, Muhammad Noor. So, a police officer who, him and his partner, he was the passenger. Um, Him and his partner were. Responding to a call of an alleged rape. So they showed up, um, you know, looked at this, checked out the scene, didn't see anybody, looked down the alleyway that they were called to, looked, didn't see anybody at all. Got back in their car, and, and right before they were going to drive off, somebody banged on the window, like somebody charged the window. The driver unholstered his weapon. Mohammed Noor shot at the window because he, he thought his partner was going to get attacked. So when they got out of the car, he saw that it was a barefoot white woman. Who was in pajamas and only had a cell phone on her. He immediately knew like this is this is really bad. And uh he was arre- well he he was um detained, spent four months in jail, six thousand dollar bond, court case was eight months, and he's now sentenced to twelve years for the murder. Ready for the kicker? This is in the exact same state and city as George Floyd's murderer. This is why people are pissed off. Because what they did in Minnesota, they sent police officers to surround this man's home and protect him so he wouldn't be attacked. He wasn't arrested. The other officers who stood by as he kneeled on George Floyd's neck were not arrested. Again, the optics alone are infuriating. And days later, he's arrested. And while that's happening, they're still finding ways not to charge him and to victim blame like George like George Floyd cut off his own breathing like he swallowed his own tongue. So in terms of optimism, racism has been a cancer and white supremacy has been a cancer for generations. I do feel like people are very aware and the generation below us they they are a lot more aware because they have access to information all the time. They are constantly inundated with videos and TikToks and you you name it. They're watching all the things but even in how they generationally are interacting with people in their circle, musically, um, societally, they, they're, they're seeing that there's a lot more diversity and they're understanding a lot more. So they, I'm optimistic about them being people who can make change. And this is why I feel like going ahead, if we do what we're doing now and pave the way and make sure our children see us, and see our reactions to injustice and see how they're supposed to behave and we give them a strong moral compass then they'll be able to stand up and say wherever they are this is not supposed to happen and i don't care about getting in trouble and i don't care about saying the wrong thing the right thing is protecting somebody's humanity what's what's important is protecting somebody who should be able to live the same as everybody else but injustice is injustice. You have to speak up against it. And we have to start recognizing our, ourselves that, yes, there is an inherent problem. We need to do something about it. And doing something also means you know having the conversations, looking at the organizations that you can fund, the marches or the conversations you need to go to, talking to your member of parliament, uh, your MP or your MPP, sending letters to the prime minister, looking at educational institutes that may still have issues with uh, with injustice or issues with 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 um, biases looking at doing stuff not just talking about it i don't want you to post the black square or hashtag well, this is my black point life matters my
0: point is it's it's the flavor of what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, and uh, sorry for not being as optimistic, It's it just doesn't make a difference to a whole bunch of people. I feel like that's the reality of the situation for every one of you and the way you think and the way you want to educate and the way you want to bring up your kids and the way you want other people to bring up your kids and the way you want society to, to, to have a shift. I think for every one of you, there's a whole 10 of the other, and that's yeah. why I'm not as optimistic.
2: I, I want us all to unpack all of the issues. The other, well, what did I see on on the news today? Um, legislation is trying to overturn the argument. There's, it's actually in law that they're trying to overturn that women who have um, survived sexual abuse.
0: Mm, you told
2: me about this. The, I think. Yeah. So the victim can use alcohol or drugs as and as an alibi to to get out of their charges. So we need to unpack all of these issues, all of them. We just need to start with making sure that we all have a collective understanding of how to work together first. And if there is any disparity from recognizing each other as human beings, it's not going to happen. So that has to start first. And it hurt when my friend said, black people don't exist on the spectrum of humanity, or some people believe that. It's very true. You may not believe it. But if you feel like you have someone in your circle that believes it, you got to have the conversation with them. I want you to talk to people about your experiences with your kids and your husband and tell them, yeah, you know what? This is, this has happened. This is my existence. This is what has happened because I'm traveling with somebody who is a person of color and it's not cool. And hopefully you would have the same reaction if we're in a grocery store and you see somebody talked to inappropriately or you see somebody being treated. I hope that you stand up like that was your own sibling or best friend.
1: I want to be as optimistic as you as well. I understand Mark's pessimism. I usually disagree with him on these things, but I understand the pessimism based on the reactions that I'm seeing from people like, all of the deflection and arguing about, you know, like you said, it, does Canada have this race problem or not? Our own fucking premier said Canada doesn't have a race problem. Like, are you, are you insane? Moron. The point is, some of the shit I'm seeing is it's it's trying to rationalize with irrational people. It's trying to speak logically to illogical people. Like some of the arguments I'm seeing, you know, I posted something on Facebook and quickly took it down the other day because I realized that people were going to turn this into an argument and it was not my point. I was just talking about there's people who are arguing that, okay, like, let's go back to the states. You know, it's, it's the uh, Trump and the Republicans and they're the problem. And because they are, you know, full of white supremacists and they're, you know, they're the issue. Then there's the other side saying it's actually the Democrats fault because the media is sensationalizing this and the problem isn't as, as big as it seems. You know, there was, there's white people killed by police all the time and that's never in the media. You only see the black. Le- and I was like, how is this even a fucking argument right now? At this point, it is not about republican versus democrat it's not about conservative versus liberal. like none of it it's the entire political system it's our entire government it goes all the way back to the beginning of fucking time like you said in your history lesson and yes the media controls us all we all know that if you believe everything you see in the media you hear in the media you read it then you're an idiot sorry like that you're just an idiot Mm -hmm. but regardless of whose fault or who's doing what or who's it we all watched a black person get murdered we all watched the person who did it not be immediately fucking charged as a murderer in fact he was protected and you're gonna tell me that this isn't a race issue or again with going back to amy cooper in the park i know there was some people arguing well there was actually two black people killed the same weekend that that thing happened with amy cooper but the media focused on that because you know trying okay Even if that's true, that still happened. Amy Cooper still recognized her. Well, whether she actually consciously recognized it or not, she knew of her privilege and she knew she could use it as a weapon to potentially get a black man killed. She knew exactly exactly what she was doing. So regardless of who's doing this or whatever, it is so ingrained in, in the government, in everything, in the school systems. Like I was saying to Mark the other day, when you were in school, did you learn anything about black history? Now they get one month. And who do they learn about? Just a few prominent black figures. Here's the thing. I I
2: think Black History Month is important. Of course it is. But I feel like what would be a smarter step from an educational standpoint is to just include the contributions of Africans to the world in all classes. Yeah. Mathematics, science, history, all of them. All of them. You know, again, that's, that's another conversation in terms of unpacking, you know, how people see the whole month of reflection. I, I, sure, it's absolutely important to, to understand and to celebrate a culture. But I think a bigger step would be to, un, to, to really put it in the system and have people understand it. Yeah. I don't know if you know the artist Chronix. We're always talking about music. Um, Chronix is a, um, Jamaican artist who's kind of like a modern day Bob Marley. And on his last album, Chronology, um, he has a song called uh, "Black Is Beautiful," and the chorus is, "They never told us black is beautiful." You hear about witchcraft and black magic, or the you know the black market, and all of these things that are all negative, but no one's ever used the word to describe black. Black is beautiful. So yeah. it, was, it was a very very powerful um, message to send. I, I I do also understand the, the pessimism from both of you. I get it. And, and when I read messages from people who just don't get it, it's like, not even just don't get it, but just believe what they believe to, to the core of them. It's like, man. Uh
1: it's it's the it's, it's the fragility that you were talking about that's why i was so glad you brought that up because the immediate response of some people when you start calling out their racist bullshit even if they don't think they're racist like you said there's no not it's not racist or not racist you're the racist or you're anti-racist so even if you don't think it's there if someone's telling you it is if it's being presented in front of you shut the fuck up and listen then stop getting defensive. Well, no, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Cool. That's cool. Also Karen. part of the problem. Who right? Gives a shit about the one friend right. that
2: you have, and then saying things like, "Oh, well, you're 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 different. You're not like not like what the stereotypes that you grew up with."
1: That well, that you're thing. still
2: trying to fit me into the that's square peg. How do we hole? eliminate
1: Cut all that? Devices. And I think that's why Mark is so pessimistic. I have had a, a friend of mine. Her husband is black. And he was actually let go from a job where the owner of the company was also black. But he was let go from a job because the owner of the company repeatedly told him, when you're dealing with clients, can you please try to sound more white? Wow. And this is the owner who is black telling him, you need to try to sound more white. When you're dealing with clients, you can't have your, I can't even remember how, but basically you can't have your blackness coming out. And eventually he was let go from a job essentially for sounding too black
2: when dealing with the clients. But but again, this is is an inherent and systemic concern. And when you call people… You expect them to react in a certain way like, okay, well, if I hear this person talk like this, oh, well, they have to behave like blah, blah, blah. And the hair flips and the snapping and the neck wiggling and n- n- these these stereotypes have also been perpetuated not only in yep. the media but in news and TV. You know, yes, people culturally can have certain responses but when you expect them to behave a certain way, you're feeding into the stereotype. Yep. And that that's not cool either. Yeah, I <laughs> I I I know that myself. I've uh I've had people tell me, "Oh, you talk like a white guy." I'm like, "What? I, so what's talking like a black guy sound like?" You know what I'm saying? Like let's let's cut, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> 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 but but my 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 point is my parents always taught me, even my grandmother, God rest her, make sure that you enunciate.
1: I remember your lessons from your grandmother say from what the you last mean episode. And mean what you say. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, and make sure that when you express your ideas that they're clear and articulate and people can understand your viewpoint. But
1: yet again, even the most educated black person, even the richest black person, even the, you know the most successful black person, to the people who don't view you as equal, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. It's literally just based on what color is your skin. And there is still way too many people that deny that, and get defensive about it. Mm-hmm. And so Mark being pessimistic, it's like, how do you reverse all these things? I know this is going off track a little bit, but cultural appropriation, white girls doing their hair like, quote, mm-hmm. black girls, and then wondering, why are black people getting mad that I'm doing this? And they say, you know, im what is it? Imi- imitation is the, is, is a form of flattery. Oh, highest flatter- level of flattery. The level of flattery. Thank you. Plus. I have lost my words. And they can't figure out why... The black girls are getting mad because they're not even thinking about for how long they were made fun of. They're told their hair is mm, not beautiful. Yeah. This doesn't yes. look good, but now it's trendy because the white girl does it, and you can't figure out why. Precisely, the the black girls are like, no, 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 you're not doing that mm-hmm. because we've been doing it, and it wasn't good enough for you, right? But now you're doing it, and now it's and it's trendy.
2: Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's been it's been an issue even watching, and I want to make sure that I'm. I'm getting these these definitions correct because again I'm also learning. So we understand supremacy and the, the understanding that white supremacy is just that—it's the belief that the white race is greater than all other races. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we need to dismantle and unpack, or else we will never have equality. White fragility is that response to saying uh, to def- to being defensive when you mention racial injustice. Mm-hmm white guilt is the feeling of oh my god yeah that was really ugly when it comes to issues with racism and prejudice so being able to understand those things and unpack them and also see if you happen to be white where those terms sit with you if they bother you and i mean bother you as in that should not be happening then i would encourage you to have a conversation and be an ally If it bothers you because you feel like these people are using these words as a shield or they're weaponizing it, or you feel like they just don't exist and people are trying to sensationalize what's happening, then you need to check yourself. You need to really stand back and have a conversation with yourself and say, well, why are these terms even coming up? If you really believe inherently that there's not a problem, then you are part of the problem. Or if you don't want to say something about the problem, you are the problem. Inaction is just as big as a problem as the problem itself.
1: What do you think, Mark? Do you think there's any hope or are you still feeling very
0: pessimistic? I'm, uh, I'm pessimistic on this because the world and the way the world functions is based on opportunity and self-preservation. And part of that opportunity and self-preservation is when you are in a position of power You exercise that to its maximum to maintain your place in the world. And that is human behavior that doesn't change.
2: I I will encourage you both then by saying this. If we can think back to our great-grandparents. I was fortunate enough to meet one of my great-grandmothers. Or even if any any of your grandparents who may not be around right now. For us to be able to say that during our lifetime we watched the 44th president of the united states a black man take the highest most important seat in the world that is the culmination of everybody who wanted to see this vision come together happen if there was no way that we would all be able to stand together for something there's no way there's no way that he would have sat in that seat zero way so i encourage you to just look at what leaps and bounds allowed him, past his ancestors who were murdered and hung, past his families who sought freedom and were able to save enough money, to put him in a position to go to school and educate himself and become a lawyer and then get into politics and then become the president of the United States. One out of 45 presidents, he is the first ever if we can come that far to see these things happen, even that small percentage, then I do believe that we have the possibility of making greater changes. And it may have taken decades, it may have taken many years for that to happen, and people still, you know, they, they, they have many arguments and many negative things to say about Obama and what he's done and discredit him because of the fact that he's a black man. But if we can come this far, Imagine what's going to happen in our children's lifetimes and their children's lifetimes. So the only thing that we need to do, instead of thinking that it may not happen, is put forth some kind of action. If you've done your part, that's all that matters. If you feel that you have done your part to educate someone, to speak up, to actually put action um, in with the police, or again, members of parliament, or the, the premier or the prime minister doing things to effect change, not just talk about it. Every voice, every, every bit of momentum will help, but we all have to have a collective vision on this. We all do, or else we're going to end up, as you said, Mark, this is just going to be a fad. Oh. Riots in Minnesota were so 2020. Like, I'm not waiting. Mm-hmm. I'm not waiting to look back on that. Well,
1: because the riots did happen. This is, you know, four years ago, it was the same thing. And that's why there's so many people arguing politics on this. I'm not going to get into that. I I want to be as optimistic as you. And I think there is hope. I think there's there can be some move forward. Um, but one thing you said when you said, if you feel you've done your part... The problem is you can't be done. If there is going to be actually anything that sh- that changes permanently, or even makes a small little step forward, you just can't be done. It can't be like I posted a black square, or I wrote a letter, or oh, yeah. I po- You just can't be done. And
2: by no means am I saying that you know. Okay, well, I sent. You know, I I signed a petition.
1: No. Yeah. This no. Is, this, it's it it's daily. Be, it's, it can't it's, be. You've got to contribute regularly, and it has to be something that you call it. So, for example, Mark said to. The other night I called out somebody that normally, I mean, I he says dumb shit all the time, all the time. And I've maybe said things to him before, like called him out, like, uh, that sounds pretty racist or whatever. And I've said things to him, but I've never really, really called him out. Or oh, apparently I did one time, but I was so intoxicated. I don't remember it. And nobody the next day would tell me what happened because apparently I went off on this man. Anyway. The other night I said something because I didn't like something he posted Mm -hmm. and I said something and he, you know, Mark said to me, do you feel weird about it? Like, why did you do that? And I said, because I'm hypocritical if I don't, you know, I'm here ranting and saying that, you know, white people need to do something, need to do better. So if I see him posting shit or saying shit that isn't okay and I just scroll by it, then I'm a hypocrite Mm -hmm. and you have to, you have to keep talking. Let me ask you a
0: question. Do you think you changed his mind? Exactly. Right, you didn't change his mind. You called him out on his stuff. You, you, you made an attempt to educate because he and, didn't. He didn't
1: respond to me. And, he took down his post. And,
0: you, and and you feel it didn't change his mind, right? So that I, I, I'm, I'm all for. I'm Do all, I feel i never for, change his I'm mind? All for kumbaya, know. but you know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm just looking at the history look, man, I, of humanity and the history at of some the some way way world. You don't have to look for the kumbaya.
2: You have to look for the allies. In every world war, they looked for allies. They were looking for people to support the movement. And in this, in this war, we have to look for allies.
0: So maybe that Agreed. I agree with you. I yeah. And I you.
1: mean, in, in a, a problem like this that is so ingrained and has been going on forever, it's very easy to be the pessimist and to say nothing's going to change and throw our hands up and walk away. But then the cycle repeats itself. So right. even if you think there's I, not going to be I huge I may change, be
0: pessimistic, but I'm not going to do that. Right? I'm happy to talk about it. I'm happy to put someone in their place when I feel they should be put in their place. Heck, I'm the one. I'm the only one that sat here and said, you know what? Sometimes violence needs to happen for a revolution to happen And all the rest of it. But the bottom line is there are way too many people that don't think like we do. There are way too many people that can't even recognize that they don't think like we do. Yeah. And therefore... That's a lost war there.
1: Well, that's what I meant. You're trying to rationalize with irrational people. You're exactly. trying to talk with people who they can't. they can't even understand. Until,
0: what you're until white folk actually realize, sit down and fucking realize, like I said before, that you've gotten a head start in life and that's all there is to it. You've gotten a head start. So don't be fucking all weirded out when you realize. Let me address that too, just because you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Head start
2: because, of course, there are broke white people. I grew up around a bunch of them. You know what I'm saying? We were all broke. And I think that's why we all love each other. I'm broke we're, white
1: people. You know what I'm saying? Like not everybody
2: was born with a golden spoon. I'm exactly. not saying I'm not saying that all white people ended up being rich. What I'm saying is the constructs that are put in place to allow you to get ahead are very different.
0: Yes. Yeah, they're in your favor.
1: Like you people? said about the resume. I submit a resume with the name Amanda Cook. I'll probably get a call back. Uh,
2: well, that was the last name is Cook. Maybe it's part of my family. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you never know. <laughs> that was my that was my point. When you live in the when accent, you live when <laughs> you live in that inner city, there is no out. Sometimes, yeah. right? If you cannot be given the opportunity for education, therefore you cannot be given the opportunity to have gainful employment. You're at a fucking loss. Let's unpack yeah.
2: that for a second. Because here, here's another argument. Oh well, you know, black people have the same opportunity in the ghetto. You can go to school. All right.
0: Bullshit. Let's Bullshit.
2: let's 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 just look at this. Okay? So you look at your 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 typical ghetto neighborhood. And I hate when people use that term, but we'll 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 say typical ghetto neighborhood versus your typical affluent neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Everything is paid by taxes. So if you're looking at an affluent neighborhood with people who've got good jobs, good careers, all that fun stuff, they'll pay their taxes, their schools are good, their lawns are manicured, police is great, extracurricular activities are amazing, awesome. Exactly. You look in underprivileged neighborhoods. Obviously, the teachers are paid like shit. There's no extracurricular anything. There's no opportunities to upgrade the schools or the neighborhoods, so they always look like shit. Exactly. And if the education is poor what what people are gonna want someone who's been to a terrible school. So even if you get through and you're able to go to college or university, where are you getting the money from? Because everybody else who was educated before you went to the same schools. Yep. With poor education. So the few people that are able to to to, to capitalize and go through and say, okay, well we're gonna we want to go to college or university. Where are we gonna get the money? Okay, well I can work. How much does a college or university education cost? How long is it gonna take you to save to do that? and sure you can put a bunch of people together to invest in that person and move them forward awesome they go to college university they get their career that's one one, one individual yeah. out of how many that try exactly and then when they go into work How difficult is it for them to find a job? And even if they do find an amazing job, how is that one person going to make a difference to the other hundreds before them that still are living in squalor? Exactly. This is the disparity we're talking
0: about. And so when it appears that you got a fucking chip on your shoulder, you do, and rightfully fucking so. Yeah. Rightfully so. You're supposed to be, and you're allowed to be fucking angry. Let me, okay, so (laughs) what can white people do?
2: Here's 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 some, some, some things that I can suggest to take action. So number one, start with your own circle. And everything that you post, I would say that you, just like, you know, our prime minister said, he took a stance and said, it's either you're racist or you're anti-racist. There's no two ways about it. Pick a stance. And be proud of your stance. Whatever your stance is, you have a right to believe it. I will go as far as to say that. But if you believe it, Post something about it. And when you post, be open to recognize who your allies are and who your, and, and who your counter-allies are. Know who is with you and who is against you. Because once you're clear on who your allies are, you know how to be able to mute the people who aren't serving you. Because the next step is, once you've actually figured out your allies, now you can start looking at the issues that are happening and how to be able to tackle those issues because i promise you if it hasn't happened yet there there may be i'm anticipating some kind of gross revolt in canada the same way that they did in charlottesville north carolina hmm. you know what i'm saying the tiki torches to the to the the statue that they wanted to remove from the city because mm-hmm. that individual was inherently racist Um, and then it turned into all kinds of fights and riots and they actually were hitting black people with cars when they tried to peacefully protest. Even, you know, even without looking at that, know who your allies are, know how to be able to talk to your friends and your close people and say, you know what? I want to have a talk. How are you? What's going on? Can we have a chat and listen to them openly, listen to their honest conversations and be able to stand up against people who have the wrong viewpoint. Then do things that are going to make change in the community. Make change and stand with your allies and don't be silent on any issues. If you go back and look at you know, there are a bunch of movies that you may, may view and may look at differently. Get Out, brilliant movie. Jordan Peele, brilliant movie. When you see, if, have you guys seen Get Out? Where um, it was uh, a young black man who was dating a white girl. Mm. They ended up going to visit uh, her family in the south and they were having a party and it just so happens that while they're having this party unbeknownst to him they were actually auctioning off this black man and they were going to do some kind of procedure where they got them to sort of take over his body and live within the black skin it's it's almost like body snatchers meets racism Mm. it the depth of that movie is like whoa and when you actually unpack the movie when you when you actually go online and say the things that you missed from the movie, it's like oh my gosh, this is crazy. Or even if you don't want to go, if you don't want to go um, fiction, look at A Time to Kill with um, Samuel L. Jackson. He basically was the father of a young girl in the South who was mm-hmm. raped by two white men. The father outraged, murdered the two white men, and they were going to put him on death row, but there was a white lawyer who came to defend him and was trying to say that he should not get death row. It was based on his outrage and based on his daughter being murdered. And he wasn't in his right mind. He literally just he acted out of immediate rage. Mm-hmm. And that movie itself was, you know, if you're a parent and you watch that movie, as a parent alone, you will feel something. In terms of reading, try reading Black Like Me, which is one of my favorite books that I've ever read. Um, by john howard griffin this is a white man in the 80s who took melon pills and his hair was i think he's italian so his hair is naturally coarse but he did things to make himself appear african-american and he actually traveled the southern states and experienced racism firsthand and even when he came back and started talking about it his white counterparts started calling him a traitor so do do some homework read the legislation read laws that existed in Canada mm-hmm. understand where anti anti segregation laws were in place look at what has happened and also look at what is happening in Canada and take a stance and yes i absolutely believe that we have to fight all the all the battles against um you know against the lgbtq+ community against all people of color, against women, against immigrants. All of the battles need to be fought. But I still believe that at the end of the day, we all have to collectively decide whether we're going to fight these battles together or not. If we're not unified, it's going to be a waste of time. We'll all be yelling till the cows come home. But the biggest issue that we're unpacking and we're dealing with right now is that underlying racism, which is not helpful to any of us.
1: No, you were talking about the southern states. One time, I was in Kentucky, and I was with Mark, and we stopped at a gas station. And in the states, you have to prepay they so we didn't quite understand. Actually, a lot of
2: states do that. Yeah, a lot of states.
1: So yeah, I, this was just happened to be in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, you have to prepay at the gas station. At the time, we we're like, but we want to fill up. So like, because we're so Canadian, we're like, what do you mean? Like, can't we just can you just turn on the pump and then we pay the amount that's on? Anyway, the point is, I went into the store and there was uh, just one uh, person working there, and I was the only person in the store. And we drive a giant black. SUV so Mark was standing to like by the pump so the store owner couldn't see him mm-hmm. and I went to the store owner and I said um can you just turn on the pump for me like I'll stand right here I've got my credit card but can you just turn on the pump for me so my husband can pump the gas because we don't actually know how much we need and like I said I now understand that you just you pick any random number and they'll only charge you what's on the machine anyway his response to me this was an indian man not even a white man his response to me was for you no problem we only have that rule for the black people Hmm. and interesting i literally just stood there in shock and i said nothing like that was probably 10 years ago but i still think about that because i'm like what like i i just stood there in shock like did that just happen did he just say that oh it absolutely does he said we'll turn on the pump for you we just do that for the black people and i was like. And I said nothing. And then when I came out, I told Mark what happened. And I mean, Mark, I think, made like a joke about it. It was like, well, good thing he didn't see me. But it, I was like, what, I, exactly yeah, what I'm doing sh- right now. See, I, I, I had no that. words. Stuff like
2: just, that doesn't shock me. Look, man, okay. Just cause I, like, uh, issues that I've, that I've encountered um, from my parents, for example. Um my father had his jaw broken by two skinheads in, ha- in high school. Um, my mom had people throw a dresser through her window while she had three kids in diapers, also skinheads. I remember I was coming home from working, I think, at Ontario Place or something like that, late 90s, and heard somebody yell, white power. Mm. at the end of kennedy station i've never in movies is the only time i've ever heard somebody Mm. on that exactly see what i'm saying i remember going to a house party or going to see some friends at a house party in oshawa uh one of my friends was driving he happened to be the only white guy amongst amongst all of us and the rest of us were sitting in no i was sitting in the front but three other black dudes are sitting in the back and the police showed up broke up the party we didn't get a chance to go in and as they were clearing out the party, an officer walked by the car, looks in the car and goes, oh, you guys look like you're used to sitting in the back of cars. I had a friend of mine who actually got arrested because he was at a bar in Oshawa. This is maybe about 20 years ago. Uh, he was at a bar in Oshawa, chilling with a bunch of friends, happened to be black, whatever, doing their thing, just uh, you know, enjoying some time with each other. Officer ran in, pulled them all out for no reason, searched them. One of the guys had an unregistered weapon in the trunk. Nobody said anything, so they all went down. He knew a lawyer, called him. The lawyer came the next day and drilled the officer. Said, again, this is in Canada. I just want to preface this and say Uh this is in Canada. So the judge asked all the questions. Were they loitering? No. Were they trespassing? No. Were they harassing people? No. Were they stealing? No. Were they defacing property? No. Were they accosting people? No. Literally asked the gamut of questions. And at the end of it, said, "I'm having a really hard time understanding why these men were singled out and pulled out of a bar and searched." In court, may I remind you, the officer just said, "Well, it just looked weird because there were a couple of niggers in a hick bar, and it didn't look right." And the officer kind of like shuffled his papers and said, "Okay, sorry, I wasn't. I was adjusting my papers. Can you repeat that, please?" Just so he could hear the officer say it one more time in court. And of course, the judge was livid, hmm. made sure that that officer was reprimanded. And all but the one person who owned up to the gun being his were let go in court 20 years ago.
1: This is why it's so hard. And this is why I said I understand Mark's pessimism. Like it's, it's more than just, you know, having conversations and making people understand that it exists. It's like he said, people in their self preservation and know that they can use this shit because these attitudes are so, so ingrained in people and I'm going to be hopeful I'm going to continue to be hopeful I'll do I'm, what I'm, I'm doing I'm, but it's- I'm
0: actually happy though that white people are understanding a little bit more whether it changes shit or not this is a real lived experience for a lot of people yeah. and for you to be just fucking blind that, that that these things happen at least you're seeing it now whether you fucking do something about it or not you're you're one step closer I guess but you know it's it's None of this is new. All of these stories of of injustice are things that you, your family, and your friends go through. Me, my family, my friends go through. I'm 40 fucking five years old. There's been 40 fucking five years of my life of this shit. This is old news to me, right? That's, that's, the, that's what I mean when I say it's old news, but you guys get the idea. I get a little bit
1: enraged by this. You guys, I don't know how y'all stay so fucking calm. I think Omar is naturally more calm than you are.
2: I, I just feel like when you've, when you've gone through a lot of shit, you can either be completely on edge and just angry all the damn time or at some point it's just like you know what i'm a seat for what it is but i need to i need to choose what my reaction is going to be and i mean hey maybe to some degree i may be screwed up and should react differently but i'm just like eh. because i i expect i expect to be Messed with when I go into certain exactly. situations. Exactly. That's
1: yeah. That's what's the story that I was telling you about the gas station. The reason I was telling you that is when I came back from that trip and I had an appointment with my esthetician, who is African, and I told her about the experience because I was like, I like, I just froze and I felt, I felt really, really bad for just freezing. Like I should have said something to that guy, whatever. And she's like, Why? Why? She goes, He. He was saying that from his own experience, maybe in his own experience, it's always the black people that are stealing. And I was like, again, in shock that this African woman is saying this but to this me. Is,
0: but this is my point when you when you when you have to, as you like, say, unpack, which I love, you have to unpack that further. Fine. That may actually be the case, Indian dude, who's who's right. who's holding the pump, right? But when you unpack that further, well, why is it that? Why is it that why? you're yeah. seeing that, uh, that most of the people that are stealing your gas are black folk? Well, why? Let's go a little bit deeper than that. And this is what I'm talking about. And I'm going to come back to it over and over and over. When someone else has been given a fucking head start, and you, this is the way you live, and you can't make it ahead. And if I have to steal fucking gas to get to my job that's going to pay me seven bucks an hour just so I can fucking... Help my family, help my mom. I didn't have to fucking help pay bills in my house. I was privileged that way, right? But someone else isn't. It's there's more to it than all of it. And so for everyone, for everyone to just cherry pick these moments, whether it's 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 looking at police brutality here or this white person was really good over here, and that's why I'm like, it doesn't fucking matter because it's just so fucking ingrained into the human psyche to have this. And yes, you're gonna have people on either extremes, and you're gonna have this whole group of people in the middle, and I think we're talking mostly to the people. in the middle that are leaning towards a certain side, and we're saying, yeah, come on over here a little bit more. If if, if it, it's it's safe to be over here, but bottom line is, you still have this extreme over here that ain't going anywhere. Did
1: you see the clip um, of Trevor Noah talking about this? Absolutely. Yes. And one I thing, it, totally. well, one thing that he brought up in the clip was, "What is society? It's a contract." Right? It's everybody is agreeing on a certain set of, um, of the ways to conduct yourself when you're out in public space. I don't remember exactly what his words were, but basically what he was saying is for the people who can't understand the riots for people who can't understand how the anger that are coming from the black community right now, they have watched their society not uphold the contract for them. They're not mm-hmm. being protected. They're not being given equal opportunities. So why the fuck do they have to uphold the contract? And
2: this is not just an isolated incident. Exactly. exactly. This is, and this is, again, going back to the beginning of, of, of uh, the conversation where I was saying there's a bunch of perfect storms that have been going on Mm. Uh, people are already on edge because of COVID 19 there's fear there's worry about finances all of that but when you are consistently watching people getting accosted and beaten and assaulted and just you can't turn a blind eye to that because the issue is they're not getting handled the way that they should that contract that's supposed to happen not only between black people and the government but people and people Right. There's a way that you're supposed to conduct yourself around other people, but you feel you can just talk to someone. I'm going to call the police because you're not supposed to be having a barbecue here. What if you were having a barbecue there? Do you think I, do you think I want to stop you from having fun? And guess what? Yes, I do have a right to have a barbecue there. I'm pretty sure I I checked it out. I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened the next day? There was a block party. Every black person showed up, and white people showed up too, just to show like, "Nah, you're an idiot," and people like you don't deserve to hold the torch when it comes to idiot issues. But if that contract is not being upheld by the police or by people, and these things are constantly happening over and over and over and over and over and over <laughs> and over, this is the thing. Eventually, and over it's 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 going to frustrate you and over is that annoying yet people listening and over is that annoying this is what racism is it's constantly annoying Mm -hmm. and it's no longer a thorn it has been a sword and not only is the and not only are you are you stabbed with the sword but you're told well why the hell did you put your abdomen there (laughs) i'm saying come on Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you, like you have said, it's just being filmed now. And so although this is not new, apparently it took all of this being filmed. It took us, the entire world, having to watch a man get murdered for people to actually pay attention. I, I, don't, I don't think it was
2: paying. I don't think it took that murdered for people to pay attention. I think that murder was the boiling point that forced people to say, screw this. We're not going to sit down and allow this to happen anymore. And yeah. this is not the first time. There were riots over mm-hmm. Emmett Till. There were riots over Rodney King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, were riot- there, there have been riots all over because of this.
1: Well, exactly. And it just keeps happening. Then the riots happen and then it settles down and then it happens again. So but what when I, do we stop being quiet?
2: What I would encourage everybody to do is not just see what's going on in Canada and the U.S., but notice that the world is now standing up against this. Mm. There were protests in Germany. There are protests in New Zealand. Literally, there are protests for Black Lives Matter internationally. If that is not enough to wake you up to see that there is some disparity and maybe some validity to this argument, seriously, take a step back and just look at the larger picture. We all are fighting to be on the same page when it comes to being human. And we all want the same rights and the same Abilities to accomplish whatever we want. But if the world is seeing that black people are constantly underfoot, we need to pay attention. And if you can't understand, then say this. When you see something like that happen, put one of your relatives in place there. How can you
0: not understand? And ask what your response would be. This is the part that kills me. How can you not understand? how come you have to have someone else tell you put a relative in that place and like here's how? My how you, here's my how does that it, not happen? Here's what I'll propose on its own. Y'all can quote me on this too. <laughs> your
2: reflection of the world begins with what happens outside your door, but it may not be the reflection that you need to understand. So if you live in an affluent neighborhood where you've never seen police brutality, all the black people have been treated okay. You don't know any friends who have been accosted or arrested. You will always think, well, no, that's not what's happening here. You guys are taught, like, you're making this stuff up. If you don't see women raped or women abused, abuse of power. If you don't see these things, you see a couple people in your workplace that happen to be ethnic. You're like, well, yeah, of course, they're hiring black people here and Chinese people and South Asian people
0: here. Of course, there's there's no. But, but even when that is not your immediate, it's not your circle, it's not where you live, you've heard the stories, you've seen the videos, you've seen the posts. In other words, you've been made aware, and you're almost choosing to ignore what you've been aware on. But that, that's, that's the turning point. They
1: choosing to ignore. That's the turning point. It's dissociating because it's uncomfortable, yes. and because they don't, quote, think they're racist— they can just say well, no because i i this is i've seen online so many times in the last few days i don't see color i'm colorblind let somebody tell me they're colorblind i'm gonna poke you in the eyes cuz what you you're, what
2: you're doing when you say i'm colorblind to be frank is actually telling me that you don't respect my culture enough or my color enough to acknowledge it you're not colorblind don't say that no. say that i don't see you as anything but an equal
1: say that instead even if someone's not maybe consciously ignoring it it's exactly what you just said it's not that they don't know it's there it's not that they don't know racism exists anyone who says that you're burying something so deep because it makes you uncomfortable and and hey you know what i'll go as far as to say when we're talking about statistics there
2: are people who just some people don't watch tv some people don't have a cell phone
1: very few but there are people who don't have a cell yeah, phone. imagine you live in this like super tiny remote community of all white people and you don't ever watch TV? Well, I mean, I have a lot of friends. Actually, no. I,
2: You know what? Let's take it to our profession. Let's do that. I have a few people who have come to see me who are like, I grew up in a very small town. And when I came to Toronto, I had a huge culture shock because like, there was maybe like one or two black people in the entire town. The first time my father ever saw
1: a black person, he was 14.
2: And that sounds nuts to us because of how we grew up. But this is yeah. very real for some people. They like they, and what they hear about black people, what they know about black people, they were told or they watch it on TV.
1: Right. And even on TV, even shows that, you know, have black actors and whatever there's always the undertone there's always the jokes you know and it's it's meant for comedy sometimes but if that's all you're seeing and you've not and you've not actually interacted with black people because like my father you grew up in a place that was all white people mm-hmm. and you're seeing on tv and the jokes are always about like black people stealing black people are violent that even if it is in a, com- a comedic way what are you going to think about black people i'm not defending it trust me but i'm saying like you know but this is how saying, this is how
2: you can have the understand like this is why i'm, I'm answering your question question how could somebody and yes the majority of the world is connected to something technological you own a tv or you own even if you own a radio
0: in those moments though you were you were dismissing someone's lived experience
1: yeah that's the part that people need this to pay is attention the thing, to. Because I may say
0: that this has happened to me and, and, and all these other things. And you can come back with, well, well these things don't happen to people I know. But blah, blah. that doesn't mean it didn't happen to me. That doesn't mean this is not my experience with the Toronto Police Force. But they're my experience, experience because
2: of their own and what they, they understand. Exactly. Like, I, I was sitting down with someone's grandmother and I'm only saying someone because if I say who it is, oh, fuck it. So right. <laughs> <laughs> um it was great grandmother actually. Uh, no, nah, I'll keep it to myself. Sitting down with someone's great grandmother and just having a conversation about I guess uh, she said her background was, you know, from from Newfoundland and I was like, "You know what? Uh, my background's Jamaican. I was raised between Canada and there." And you know what? Actually interesting story about Jamaica and Newfoundland. But before I get there, Number one export to Jamaica is, and before I even finish the sentence, she said, drugs? Mm. I was like, uh. Actually, and of course, everyone's like, mom, stop that, or grandma, stop that. And she's like, no, it's drugs. It's drugs. And I'm like, actually, it's bauxite, but I don't think I'm going to talk science, because <laughs> I think mm. this conversation is a little too low for that. Um, Jamaica ended up giving Newfoundland their rum barrels during alcohol, pro- or during rope prohibition, and newfoundland made screech with our rum barrels Mm -hmm. and they traded us for codfish and our national dish is ackee and saltfish i proceeded to ask okay well have you ever been to jamaica nope i'd never go nope because the violence and the drugs and the okay okay but cuba mexico and jamaica are the top three places that people visit on a weekly basis so what do you think they're going for the drugs or the crime and everybody laughed and even afterwards you know I, i was told that i handled it very well but i'm like this is This is how I've learned to deal with ignorance. I try not to, like, there's no point on screaming and yelling at somebody, but this is the reality that she grew up in. She represents some people that have just not learned or wanted to learn, but also as you get older, you get stuck in the same routine and do the same things and may not educate yourself on what's going on in the world.
1: That may be true. But at what point do we stop giving people a pass because they're old or didn't have exposure oh, or you didn't get, have? You get zero, there's zero passes. passes.
2: None. You We are in the age of information, my dear. Yeah.
1: You like,
0: d- I understand where you're coming from with this, right? But like you said, it's not an excuse. No, it's I not like said, I can understand your yeah, behavior. I can you. understand why. I can just understand. I can understand how it could happen. Exactly. I can yeah. understand an old person, like, you know, why you said Jamaica drugs and blah, 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 blah. But it's still it's not an excuse to No,
1: and like you said, it's know. somebody's lived experience that was the point of the whole rant that i quickly deleted off of facebook cuz i realized that it was going to turn into a political thing but the whole end of my rant was just saying it doesn't matter where you think the racism comes from it doesn't matter whose fault you think it is at this point. like that is not the fucking problem it is stop ignoring your black friends. Stop ignoring what they're telling you they've experienced. If they're telling you, just believe them. They're not lying to you. There's no so, reason. There's, nothing there's no to reason gain. to lie. There's nothing like, to gain. Hey, exactly. sure. People
2: tell stories and sensationalize them a little bit, but why would I tell you a story about my father's jaw getting broken by a hockey stick? Why? Because I'm going to gain more white friends? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? Sure, I may, I may, may, I may make other black people angry hearing that, but it would probably motivate them to say, you know what? I actually have some stories that are similar to that. I'm not trying to infuriate people um, to to turn them against anybody else. I'm just trying to shed a light on something that's been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And as Mark is saying, you cannot demean or diminish somebody's lived experience. These are things, and, and again, those are just a few stories. There was a time that I was arrested because I fit the description of someone else. I won't tell you how recent because you'll get very angry. But it happened, I was arrested, they were calling me the name of the guy, also made me shave my beard as they had me in custody. To this day, I'm still getting apologies from the, the police for that. But they basically said, well, because it was, you know, you you, you looked like the suspect, you whatever, whatever. Tall
1: black guy with a beard? Mm.
2: The end. And even called me the name of this person. And <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, you know, c- could I sue? I'm sure that I could find grounds to do that. There was a time I was at – I'll tell you another story. I was at Scarborough Town Center. Um, if you've been to Scarborough Town Center, you know that there's a long glass hallway um, that you walk through um, that you can get to the RT. Mm-hmm. So you walk through the hallway. Once you get out of the hallway, it's open space, and that's where the Civic Building is and a lot of the government buildings are. And immediately to the right, there's a door where you get uh, – you pay to your fare to go onto to the TTC and get onto the subway. But there's a little bit of a common area that you can walk through before you get onto yeah. the train. So back in high school, I was waiting for a bunch of friends to go and watch. I can't remember the name of the show. It was on CTV. One of those like Jenny Jones shows where you can <laughs> sit down and be part of the audience or whatever. <laughs> so I'm waiting for my my friends to, to come off the train. And I saw a bunch of police officers who were standing in the common area trying to clear out kids who were just there to create, to cause trouble. So I wasn't in the common area where the government buildings are. I was in the uh, the area just before you pay get on the TTC. The so an officer came in and said, uh, are you getting on the train? I said, no, sir, I'm actually, well, it's either you're on or you're out, before I even finished my sentence. And immediately I'm like, I don't understand why you're talking to me like this. I'm literally just waiting for some friends to come off the train so we can go to a show. I don't care what you're doing. It's either you're on or you're out. So I turned to my friend, I'm like, I don't know what this guy's problem is because he really doesn't need to talk to me like this. Okay, all right, fine. And before I even had a chance to move, his partner comes around the corner and says, we're charging you with trespassing. Mm. Where did you come from, first of all, Colombo, and second of all, why are you guys yelling at me? I've well, done nothing wrong. And that's also wrong. a
1: space that people wait. Like, I mean, I in high school, I think I hung out there. Like, it's not uncommon for people to be standing in that space. So now,
2: don't get me wrong. If they're doing their job and clearing out a bunch of young people Fine. who are causing trouble, you want everybody to clear the area. Fine. But you guys don't need to raise your voice at me and talk no, to me. No, you don't need case.
1: to yell at a person who's not doing anything
0: wrong. We had a buddy of mine on our podcast. He is a professor at the University of Ottawa. He has his PhD in law in and policing, and he's done a whole bunch of work with, uh, you know, studying policing in various countries and, and stuff like that. And he's like, you know what one of the biggest problems is? Is one, policing tactics, obviously, they, they're not going to be perfect.
2: Actually, before you, before you finish that story, yeah. let, let me finish what actually happened with the, with the experience with the officer. Oh, yeah, yeah, So the two of them hopped in, yelled at us, said they were giving us tickets for trespassing. And I'm like, you told me to move. I was about to move. So I'm going to move. There's no need to come at me like this. I'm not here for this. So I left the TTC area and walked into the glass hallway, which is what? Maybe about 12 feet, Mm -hmm. something like that. So I left the common area, which which he asked me to do, or at least that's what I thought, because he flew into the same area that I was now waiting at and said, I'm giving you a ticket. For what? You told me to leave. So I left. I meant the whole area. You didn't specify that, sir. If you said leave the whole area, I would have left the whole area. I would have gone to go get a taco and chill in the mall. So now I'm arguing with this guy about semantics about whether I should, whether I did comply. What he said or did, yeah. You know what I mean? And he said, I'm telling you to leave or you're getting a ticket. Fine. That walkway into Scarborough Town is maybe about 20 feet tops. I go to walk into the mall. He grabs me by the arm and says, No, you have to walk around the mall. Now I'm getting loud. You asked me to leave the area. I did. First time I complied. Second time I complied, you told me that I had to leave this common area. And as I'm leaving, you grab my arm. And now you tell me that you want me to walk around the whole friggin' mall to get into the mall when I'm 20 feet away from the door. Now you're abusing your authority. And I have no, no, I I don't care what you say. I have no patience for that. Zero. And he kept trying to argue with me, my friend, giving tickets. And I'm like, all right, just to entertain you, Officer 1312, whatever your badge number is, I'm going to I'm gonna walk around the mall. But I'm going to remember 1312 because I'm definitely going to file a complaint for mm-hmm. sure. So me, my friend, and my friend's mother was um, a court officer. So I left and I'm like, don't worry, man. Don't argue. Don't say nothing. Just remember 1312 as I'm starting my walk to walk around Scarborough Town. He did not like me seeing his badge number. Put me in an arm bar and I got a ticket
0: for trespassing. Ooh, I've been in those arm bars before. So in my own driveway. Yeah, right. pulled over in my own driveway. Illegal oh, car God. search. In my yeah. own driveway. Yeah. I'm like, you followed me around from for fucking twenty minutes and mm-hmm. then when I pulled into my fucking house, you put on your cherries, and now I'm face down on the fucking hood of your car while you search up my car for no reason.
2: Now I went to court for that ticket and I also tried to get a lawyer to help. And The officer basically said, well, when we were trying to, you know, we were doing this and trying to clear the area and blah, 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 and this young man was, you know, uh, visibly trespassing, and we approached him, he said, I don't have to listen to you, man. Don't talk to me, man. And when the lawyer recanted my story, and I had the ability to say what happened, after I said that I was put in an armbar after trying to leave again, the judge turned to the officers and said, did you put this young man in an armbar? And the officer said, I don't recall. I had to pay a $200 ticket for trespassing. And again, that's one of many stories mm. of where people have abused their authority. And I, I don't ever, I will never say that all cops are bad, but I will not, and I will also not paint all cops with the same brush. You know what I'm saying? I won't do that. But what I, I want to encourage people to do is actually listen to the stories and look at what's going on and understand that, yes, this is happening. People of color are consistently being being beaten up and being treated unfairly in a very disproportionate way in the legal system there are still people on death row right now who don't deserve to be on death row and it's because officers somebody said i saw this and they believed it there are people who are on death row just because an officer said say these things and we'll get your charges we'll get your charges reduced Another movie I'd like you to see, When They See Us, Netflix series. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it, that one will definitely break your heart because that was on the Central Park Five. Five young men who were arrested in New York in their teens um, and maybe about um, four kilometers away from where the teens were gathered, there was a white woman who was raped and assaulted. And what they did was they arrested five random black men, told them to say well, each other did it, blame each other and they would get their charges reduced but they all actually went to jail for rape and assault and they all spent over 10 years each in jail until somebody came out and said I actually was the one that committed it take the time to really look at these stories and listen to these stories, they happen they happen in Canada as well It's it's it sucks to look at it, it sucks to be honest about it it's really uncomfortable talking about it, but think of the people who live like this. If you don't have to worry about walking into a store and having somebody treat you differently because of the color of your skin, then you need to pay attention to the conversation because these are the kids that your kids are going to grow up with. These are the kids that your kids are going to graduate with, that are going to have kids, that are going to go to their graduations and their first vacations and come to their weddings and all those other things. You have to treat them like your own children and be concerned for their safety, their livelihood, and their lives in the same way. And if you cannot put yourself in those in those shoes, and cannot understand how difficult it is, try. But standing on the side of ah, oh, it doesn't happen, or nope, that's not the story that I know. That's not helpful to yourself or anybody else. Not now. Not anytime. Now, again, as a as a as an RMT, I also feel like I have to be very cautious about how I conduct myself as well. Because we know that there are laws that we have to abide by. We know what our, our obligation is to the public. But I know in numbers, if there's 15,000 RMTs across Canada, across Ontario, sorry, 15,000 RMTs across Ontario, we know that the vast majority of them are female, which means that the the male demographic is low. The male demographic for Ethnic RMTs is even lower. Right. You let something happen in the news, and them hear that a black RMT screwed around with a with a, a client, and watch what kind of judgment happens. You know what I'm saying? I, I I it's disgusting to take advantage of clients. Absolutely. Now you take that and amplify it by saying it was a black RMT. People people take a completely different stance, and that's where the stereotypes and the and, and the bigotry statements come out. Yeah. Canada has an issue of what I call closet bigotry. It only shows its face when people are angry or when they're in groups where they feel safe enough to have these conversations. This, this also needs to be unpacked in closed doors and, and, and in public. But I definitely am. I can say that I'm worried as an RMT, uh, even more so, not like I I would take advantage of a client anyway, but I'm even more concerned because as a male behind closed doors with a, with a, a female client who may be worried about her safety or even just being self-conscious. It, it, it's, it's amplified because I'm a black RMT and I happen to be a six foot three black RMT. These things look very different. So I make sure that people feel hella comfortable when they see me and make sure that I speak completely professionally about all the things that they can expect, check off all the things that I need to, to make sure that they are, are well-informed and and they can give informed consent and make sure that my treatment is above and beyond because I want them to feel like they're being cared for and completely ignore anything having to do with my culture or my race or anything. None of those.
1: <sighs>
2: <laughs> That's a statement in itself.
1: Yes, because <laughs> it. people are exhausted. Yeah,
0: we all are. There are just so many issues that can't get fixed at the levels that people are doing to make them fixed. So for example, like I was saying about my buddy in Ottawa who talked to us about policing and he's like, listen, for the most part, there's a big fault with policing in that policing is, is looking at everything as a crime issue. These are his words, right? He's like, Things exist not necessarily because of crime issue. Socioeconomic status is not necessarily a crime issue. But in the eyes of policing, who only look at things through crime, everything looks like crime issues. You see, what did Mm -hmm. he say? He's like, if I've got a hammer, everything fucking looks like a nail in those scenarios. So I feel like there's so so many things need to change at such a big, massive level for 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 there to be actual real tangible long standing positive change, and that's why i'm pessimistic
1: well yeah it's because how do you reverse hundreds and hundreds of years of you don't. giving a head start? you can't you, well you can't erase it and you wouldn't want exactly. to erase it, but i mean I mean when I say you wouldn't want to erase it because there's a lot of lessons that need to be exactly. taken from all of this and who, but you, how do you how do you reverse or somehow how do you how do you close the gap? How do you suddenly not give white people the advantage? All we've had is the advantage. All we've had is the privilege. How do you catch up the black people that have always been held back? How do you do that?
2: And there, well, that, there are a number of different levels that
0: have to be. Exactly. And there's such large-scale yeah. operations that have to come from people. It's like your, your only mission in life is to head these large scale operations.
2: Like for example, let's 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 see if, I mean let's crystal ball and magic wand. Cool, right? For indigenous people, we'll start there. For their injustices to be taken care of. You would have to literally give them an entire area of land, not the areas that they were pushed onto, but right. give them an area of land and give them not only the economic structure that they would need to move forward, the educational structure for them to be able to thrive and continue to grow their businesses, but also the political structure to say, as a people, we have say in whether or not something
0: flies.
1: But yet we can't even give them fucking clean water.
0: Exactly. Like, and let's add to that let's add to that even another big piece of the pie. The counseling and support to deal yes, with yes. with your that. current fucking mindset, yes. right? Like it's such large scale operations. Now that's just dealing with the people. We're now now we
2: have to move to the things that are in place. So politically, you would have to change how the laws are determined. You have to change how people are hired because you also have to eth- ethnically be able to police in an area where you understand the people. You can't put somebody who grew up in the burbs in none of it. Because in the burbs of Toronto, in none of it, because they don't understand the struggle. You can't relate. The people yeah. can talk to you, but you, yeah, you cannot relate to them. So you have to change the face of policing and make sure that they can ethnically speak to everybody, specifically in the areas that they're in. And you have to do consistent training for police officers going forward to make them understand one, how to be able to speak to everyone. From whatever walk of life they're in, but also people who have mental issues and how to be able to do your job and de escalate it without pulling your gun. So, all of these systems of change need to happen. And then within the communities, we have to make sure that we are educated on what is happening with everybody else, celebrate them, support them, and not hold them back, Mm -hmm. and support each other financially and in all other ways. You can't support the culture alone. You have to support people in all ways. Go to their restaurants. Go to their events. Understand where they're coming from. Not be afraid of how people are going to perceive you. Like we were talking about, you you mentioned cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation is only a problem if you don't understand where it came from. If you're taking something and making it your own and not giving somebody else, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. um, Kim Kardashian's box braids. They're not called box braids. That's not what they were called for years, but all of a sudden boxer braids. Now that you've done them, and that's a thing, Mm. you know what I'm saying? And and people will turn around and be like, "Well, no, that's Kim Kardashian's thing." Actually, no, no. I can tell you where in Africa that style of braids came from, but you don't know, and I think you should know before you start appropriating where that style came from. Mm -hmm. So back to the issue of magic wand, crystal ball. We see that there are so many different levels of things that need to change, but the people that are in the positions to make the change are the people in the democracy. We live in a democracy. We can vote, but the problem is all the things that need to get voted on aren't all decided by everybody. So what we need to do is decide the things that need to change, have a collective understanding, and then move together and say, these are the things that we need met let's have a conversation. How can this be done? Because these infrastructures are also in place. We all have to make sure that we collectively have an agenda that needs to be changed. And once we have that collective agenda, we can speak to it. But we all have to be unified before we have a collective agenda. We can't be unified if some people's voices are not heard or it's or they're not valued. This is the fundamental problem. And that's why I keep going back to the optimism, because if change is within your power, no, it may not happen overnight. But if you have a bunch of people who are saying something and are passionate about it and they're not standing down, change can and will happen. And in, in this time where we're a lot more aware of what needs to, what needs to go on, people will tell you, okay, well, this is how long it's going to take to pass this. And these are the steps that need to happen. So just do the legwork. But right now, more than ever, we need to be each other's allies. We need to stand with each other. I don't want to see a right in Toronto. I don't want to see anything get burnt down. I promise you Toronto will do it. I promise you. Let there be a problem in Toronto like George Floyd. It it, it will be chaos. But we have a march in Ajax today. We have another march downtown Toronto today. We have people marching all over the country. And it's a beautiful thing. And to see our parents... Look at stuff and be like, I've never seen something like this before. That's crazy. And mostly young people too. That's a beautiful thing. And if they're seeing the big picture, then we got to step back and be like, all right, I got to join my kids. I've got to do something. And if I don't understand, help me understand. Don't just try to be cool and know the latest song and the latest dance and, you know, what, what your kids like for Christmas. Screw all of that. Know what they want changed for their lives to be easier. And stand with them on that. And that also means us as healthcare professionals, we also need to look at our demographics of people who are coming to our office. I know that the majority of people who come to me are female, but the majority of them are also white female. Why is that? Is it because black people don't value their health in the same way? I don't think so. Is it because white women have more access to massage therapy than black people? I don't think so. But maybe there needs to be an education piece on why Black people should come for massages the same way as everybody else i don't think there's there's enough conversations within my own community saying, yes, we can do this this and that. i'm just saying to look at how you can invite people to come into your practice because you are also losing out on taking care of a demographic that you you could very well help It's income that would help you, but these are people that you could help, and just having these conversations are a great thing, so i'm also trying to turn this conversation on its ear and figure out how does this relate to what we do in our own practice and what the demographics actually look like but even if we're just saying in my practice there's mostly caucasian women who usually have great jobs are settled in their families or just even even you know they're they're looking at health and taking care of their health but why is it mostly caucasian women that already speaks to the benefits. And the opportunities that other people may have over black people in itself, that's something to unpack and understand. So how do we invite all demographics? You can say that your practice is um, all is inclusive. But how are you actually celebrating these people and inviting them to come to your space? we have taken some big chunks today, man. For sure. <laughs> some big chunks. And there are very big feelings going on too. We've unpacked some very emotional and some very raw things that are helping us even think through what to do going forward, how we're living now, what changes we can make. I, I know that you guys are going to keep fighting the good fight from, you know, from, from where you are. And I know that you're going to continue having amazing conversations. I just hope that anybody who's listening is also, hopefully they're inspired to look at where they stand and know, okay, well, we, we can talk about things and not be worried. Hell, I had somebody, thanks to you guys, somebody reached out to me um, based on a podcast who was thinking about becoming an RMT and hit me up on, um, on Facebook Messenger and said, you know, I'd like to get some, some input. And I said, you know what? Call me. Had a wicked conversation. And she said, you know what? Thanks to you, I'm now going to Centennial. I'm going to do the program, blah, blah, blah. And I said, all right, well, I'm opening a clinic around the corner. Maybe at the end of your, uh, maybe during your schooling, if you want some help, let me know. I would encourage anybody as well. If you want to have a conversation, a tough one or not, reach out to any of us. Mark and Amanda are amazing. And and I'm always thankful to be in their company and and have conversations that are very useful for us as RMTs. But today is about us as as Canadian citizens. Human. Yes.
1: Well, thank you for coming on. Like I said, this all stemmed from me calling your business partner yes. to check on how things were going with you guys. And when she, I mean, that it was one simple statement. We didn't get into a discussion about it. She just said, "You know, I'm giving him space. He's in his feelings." And I brought it up to Mark, and he said, "Yeah, and we need to talk about that."
2: You know what? Ashley knows me very well. She knows me, you know, better than than a lot of people because we spend a lot of time together. Mm-hmm. And, um, she's also been like, you know, one of my number one supporters, if I've ever needed her, she literally would drop anything in the drop of a dime and say, I'll be mm-hmm. there. Um, and we actually have not had this in depth of a conversation. So I'm sure once she listens back to this, she'd be like, Whoa. but also I haven't spoken to her about how she feels about the state of affairs in the world mm-hmm. or what her circles are like, or what, you know, what she's thinking or feeling, but um, I'm I'm thankful that you guys had the conversation and invited me to to come and
0: say some stuff. Right on, man! Thanks for coming by. Thanks for hanging out on our couch.
2: Glad I came. Thank you both.
0: Am I my brother's keeper?
2: Yes, I am.
0: Priest.